<laughs> oh god! <laughs> you got me coughing already. <laughs> and that's why I'll never tell you where the antidote is. <laughs> oh damn it! We both took a vial, a vial of shit. That is this week in pop culture. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Big Damn Cast. My name is Christopher. Just put it on VOD already, Johnson. <laughs> My name is Matthew, but the prophet, Watson. <laughs> the, the scale, the pyramid, we must see it climb. The prophets. Look, I've, I've had enough of looking at graphs with uh, a climbing um, climbing figures <laughs> that make me sad. I don't want to add hobbies and, and, and media to that same equation. Uh because the world is miserable enough with actual death, destruction, and horrible stuff going on. I don't want to also want cinema to tank completely. Which is why, Matthew, in our yes. actual bit of pop culture news this week... Oh, um, no! Big damn cast, nerdy news, geeky gossip stuff to make you go, Oh, right, that's the thing. Anyway, people are dying. I know, I know. But we're here to provide a stupid distraction for two hours. And that distraction this week comes in the form, very briefly, of a bit of news. Turns out Mulan, the Disney live-action, quote-unquote, reimagining cash cow, <laughs> is... Um, is indeed uh, getting released uh, in August as planned. August. Except but... not to cinemas. Um, they're rolling it back a little, aren't they? Like by a week or so. Yeah. And they are pumping it out now uh, to video on demand, which Trolls 2 did after a week in cinemas. Yes. Uh, which Scoob did. Uh, for the entirety of its release, which a few independent movies have ended up doing as well. They've bitten the bullet and gone, right, we're going to VOD. While we have a captive audience, let's, you know, tease them with trailers, get their interest, and then and then be like, right, you can rent the film for 10 quid. Mm. Or let's just do this. And it's like, fair enough, sure, everyone's going to take a bit of a loss, but this is how you make profit during a pandemic uh, in the entertainment industry. Mulan is doing the same, except there's a cat. A, a, ra- a surprisingly pricey catch. I know, right? We've not had a UK quote yet, have we? But based no. on dollar US dollars to Great British Pound translation, um, always, always, always roughly subtract about um, a quarter in your it's, head. Um, at the moment, so in the States, it's it's got a $30 price tag yeah, to watch it on Disney+. Plus. That's the thing. Not on Apple. Not on uh, YouTube, not on Google Play, yeah. not on Amazon. It's exclusively available to rent on Disney Plus. Now we For both have thirty dollars. Like Plus, we enjoy Disney Plus, but we're paying for Disney Plus. <laughs> like we are, you know, we're, we're paying to have that subscription service. So if you are going to make something available on there for a limited time on demand exclusive to disney plus uh you know owners we get it you're trying to incentivize people to get plus who may not already have got it you really want to see this film sure but then you whack a 30 dollar price tag on it as a rental that's 22 quid in our money even for a family of four that's pushing that it is because you lot. then have to also pay for a plus membership of at least a month yeah at least a month yeah to get hold of it because I think there's something in the terms and conditions that says free trial members won't be able to take part in that offer. You have to be a member. Oh, great. Yeah. So. So. <laughs> um, Lucy and I were talking about this. 
and I, she said like so they did that with Scooby Doo. I was like, yeah. She went like, how does that work? Then I was like, well, they charged like it was like fourteen ninety nine or something yeah. to rent it, like the on. cost of a DVD, the cost <laughs> yeah, of buying well, a went, DVD, which is not she went, great. A, well, yeah, well, she said that's a lot, and I went right, but but it's not on home video release. So this is the only way to see it. Yeah, like it would be at the cinema, where your ticket is based on where you're going, going to be anywhere between six and fifteen quid, based mm. on where and what time, and but also. When you see a film like that, you're usually taking kids, or you're usually a group of nostalgic like adults. Yeah. So, the price of watching it together would be thirty, forty, fifty quid after all said and done. Let me pull Everyone up um, Google Play Movies while we're chatting, so I can see what the rental prices on there are like. So it's you know I I kind of understand <clears throat> the the cinema cinematically delayed movies, shall we say, getting a slightly higher rental price on home media, because also like you know we're in that industry we understand that a massive loss is being made so if they can recoup that with just a few extra quid from each patron sure like fine if it means that industry that studio you know is going to be okay and you know people will be like but these are the massive studios at warner brothers disney they're not hurting Mm. no but they will if like a film that was projected like mulan is projected to make you know hundred million dollars in its opening weekend or something like as a as a benchmark as like a we're gonna make that in the opening weekend domestically worldwide we're gonna make like five times six times as much to put it on on to put it on home media um rental even at the price they're putting it at they're looking at a loss of about 50 percent of the the estimated profit from cinematic release yeah. like they're looking at a huge loss and that's with the upped price tag um you know, well, if they lower the price tag, then more people will rent it, sure. But then, like, five times more people have got to rent it, which means you've got a guarantee that's going to happen for them to still not make break even on this investment. Like, <clears throat> there's a reason Black Widow has been pushed back to November, but they've said since that that date is also subject to change. Yeah. There's a reason why um, Bill and Ted 3, like a movie that, you know, people are looking forward to, but it's not going to be, like, the massive smash hit of the summer. Yeah. There's a reason why that has bitten the bullet and gone, we would probably make a decent amount of profit on VOD. Like People are making decisions whether or not put this out on home media or hold it back until we can get everyone in cinemas. My honest opinion, hold everything back. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hold it all back. Make home media that exists already slightly uh, less costly. Do that. You know what I mean? Like Amazon yeah. Amazon Prime, you've got, you've got new releases at $12.99. For a few months, make them eight ninety nine. Just whack a few quid off here and there, and because it's not because here's the thing. And I say this as a pop as a host on a pop culture podcast about new releases. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There are enough games, films, albums, and and TV shows in the world that we we can be fine as consumers to not have something new and shiny to look at for a year. Yeah, yeah. It'll yeah. be weird because we're used to it. It'll be weird, but. Like I'm, I'm sat in a room next to a wall of DVDs. It's because none of the none of the studios like are willing to take that chance. Wall of them. None of the studios well, willing to take that chance. Well, I think the studio the studios need to be more creative in in making money in the meantime. They need to find more uh, interesting and new ways that are adapting to this current climate. And again, maybe that is bundles. Maybe that is limited releases of stuff. Yeah. Maybe it's like do like do like virtual screenings, like where you have to pay like a, a tenor to uh, do like a virtual watch along where they're going to get like the cast involved, like live commentary screenings of films that already exist. 
would be amazing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like studio, like Hollywood. If you're listening, you're not. Have that. <laughs> no, no one is. Take it. Do you know what I mean? Like if you turned around to me and you went right, so it's what 2020. It's the um, what film is it? The 20th anniversary of like what? What came out in like 2000? Oh, nothing good. For example, first X Men. No, it's 99. <clears throat> and that's not good, but it's it's, it's interesting. <laughs> nothing um, good is the answer. Right, but, okay, so for for example, then like it's 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 2020. Um, no, sod that. Right, 2020. A few months back on the um, uh, first year anniversary of like the release of Endgame, mm-hmm. what you should do is you should, through all this magical technology that's at everyone's disposal, like, right, so for, for £10, you know, like $15, you join in this live stream that we're going to put on through YouTube, through Disney, whatever. Like, you know, a company will find a way. We'll do that. And you will basically have access to watch live. And it'll only happen once. You can't buy it afterwards. Yeah. <clears throat> watch live the film and it's going to be co- uh, live commentary so the russo brothers the directors they're going to like they're going to like you know be the mcs for it and like every sort of 20 30 minutes they get a different cast member or two to come in on a zoom thing and just you know what i mean like that would be that would be like a, oh my god we're all stuck at home so the movies are stuck at home yeah and we get to enjoy films we already know and love but it's like a spe- it's like going to a live screening um, you know, the director's, director's sort of event where, like, they'll screen a film, do Q&A afterwards. Like, <clears throat> turn cinema into an event at home and profit that way. Don't charge people <laughs> enough money for, like, three cinema tickets plus the payment of the service that it's on to rent a film Yeah, <clears throat> that stars a leading lady who... Uh, sympathizes with the aggressive Hong Kong police force. What? Anyway. No. Yeah. Right, so. so this has kind of given me the ultimate incentive to not bother with Mulan now. Like I was already reluctant yeah. to aside from my guess Jungle Book being indifferent or annoyed by the reimagining. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um and then on top of that like the whole thing with its star and her stance on the Hong Kong police situation made me go I don't I want to support more female-led female-led cinema blockbusters. I don't want to support her female-led cinema blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. God damn it! <clears throat> like, I get where you're coming from. Role model for kids, and she's teaching everyone the wrong freaking lessons. Um, plus the fact that they chickened out of Mushu in any form. Um, is know, it chickening out, like, or is it like, oh, wait, let's chicken it out? You just do it differently. You do it differently. You find a different way to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I suppose. Um, Jungle Ball, Jungle Book's central floor, its only real big floor, Matt, and I say this as a man who has done film studies and uh, learned the ways of a film, was quite simply, its biggest flaw that essentially made it a failure in my eyes was not having a version of that little monkey going... (laughs) (laughs) The chickened out, the chickened out, they didn't show balls. Okay, whatever Um, you say. Um, (laughs) um, But do you know what I mean? Like This has made me go, yeah, I... Sorry, big damn listeners, you're not hearing a Mulan review from well, me anytime listen, soon. Let's have, I can't be asked. Let's have a look at uh, price comparison. Right? So on the Google Play. On the Google Play store, looking at the latest releases. Scoob to rent. Which is the only way you can get it. Been out two months as well. Yeah, yeah been out two months. That's, that's no home video release insight as yet, but I imagine they'll still bring it out when it was originally projected. That's fifteen ninety nine to rent. Okay. And that's in four K. 
Wow, okay. And it's the same price for whatever you're renting it on, but it'll automatically play at the highest resolution possible. Trolls World Tour is, to rent it, mm-hmm. is 549 Wow. So most of the well, old again, releases was, are less... That was a March release. Yeah. Yeah. That was a March release, and it's it's now approaching what would have been its home video release originally. Most of the old releases Before are down to, like, under six quid to rent. Um, but, like, your newer releases, so... Uh, Scoob is uh, 15.99. What else we got on here? Um, Finding the Way Back, the Ben Affleck basketball coach movie, that's 15.99. That's a newish release. Um... What else? Things like um, basically anything that's available to buy is not more is not really more than six quid to yeah. rent. Um, the newer releases of King of Staten Island, the uh, Pete Davidson movie, that's fifteen ninety nine to rent. Um, although why would you? Um, so yeah, thirty dollars or twenty two quid in our money. That's a lot. That's a big markup, yeah. especially considering it's on a surface that you're already paying for. Exactly. Now, I'm not expecting them to release it to Disney Plus for free, but I'm not expecting them to put it on Disney Plus as a rental. No. Yeah, maybe flip it. Maybe put it out for rental on every other surf- surface. surface. Put it out on every surface. Well, yeah, every put Microsoft every surface, other... but only Microsoft surfaces. <laughs> no, other, like, so stick, no other computer or tablet it. brand. Do you know what I mean? Like, put it out on on the usual suspects everywhere you can rent, and then two months later, if it ain't getting a theatrical release, two months later you make it part of the Disney Plus lineup. Chris, I can buy the that I can buy the entire season of Harley Quinn for less than Mulan on Disney Plus. Where's that on Google Play? On Google Play, it's fifteen quid for the entire season. Season one, yeah. Is season two on there? No. Uh, or is it? it? No, it is not. Uh, um, well, don't worry. I'm sure it'll be on the DC Universe app when A, it comes over here, and B, definitely doesn't get cancelled by the end of the year. Uh, oh, no, right. did you mention another little bit of news that snuck through the net this week? Oh. Is that HBO Max will be the home of Harley Quinn Season 3, meaning Harley Quinn Season 3 will be debuting there on that app. That's another thing. On the DC Universe app, yeah. where it was commissioned. Which means Swamp Thing, one season, cancelled before the season was finished filming. Harley Quinn, two seasons on there, third season's moving to another channel. Doom Patrol and Titans and Stargirl also being eyed up for broadcast elsewhere in the US. Because over in the UK, in the UK, we've had them on different channels and services anyway. Yeah. But it looks like they're about to get broadcasting services elsewhere in the US, meaning their future seasons will probably move to those networks. Meaning, ultimately, that the DC Universe app is dead. Yeah. Long live the DC Universe app. I mean, it was dead it's on arrival, let's yet, be honest. But, well, uh, mostly because they kept chopping and changing the access to everything. Yeah. So this was an application. For those who don't know, DC Universe was a new streaming service slash, um, basically, data hub in the States that you <laughs> could use to watch DC Warner Brothers television. DC Warner Brothers uh, movies, DC Warner Brothers uh, home video releases, and go into a massive back catalogue of DC comics as they were added, on top of some brand new shows made just for the service. Can you imagine reading Which a comic on a TV? Cool. <laughs> yeah, well, no, but you know what I mean? It's like, that's, that's you know what, fair enough. Yeah. Like, for the yeah. price tag, that's pretty cool. Especially because um, Marvel have always sort of been the better one at that in terms of its past curation. 
with regards to the comics. Marvel Unlimited you is just, like what sixty quid price tag. Yeah, for and a year for a year subscription, and you just get and then you have access to everything they currently have digitized prior pre the last six months yeah. of when you're reading. So if you want the brand new current comic, you gotta go out and buy that if you want to do that or buy it digitally, or you wait six months and you read it in yeah. six months. If, you, time. if you're waiting for the trade. You're, you're basically Marvel Limited is, is basically your best bet. Anyway, yeah. and and then every new every time an old comic gets newly digitized, it gets added to the service. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, you never read '80s Ghost Rider, but you've always wanted to, but there's only bits and pieces of it published. Oh, look, next year they'll have it all finished and on the service. But why Fantastic. would you? <laughs> Again, <laughs> why hey, would there are, you? There are Danny, there are Danny Ketch fans out there, and I'll never get it, but they're out there. Um, oh, Danny Ketch so... is '90s Ghost Rider. He feels more. 80s. I don't think he feels like he feels like the eighties went. Oh, we forgot this, and then dumped it. everything in the nineties. Feels like that, especially well, in like comics. This, uh, well, like this, this Marvel comics presents Wolverine and Ghost Rider. Oh yeah, they want to let you know Ghost Rider's in it so bad that his name takes up, like adds to a, a half of the cover being covered in Ghost. <laughs> oh my Rider's god, logo. Wolverine's costume has <laughs> Ghost Rider on the eyebrow. <laughs> what? No, he's literally yeah. just got Ghost Rider written on his eyebrow. It's just there. Yeah. I found some old comics in case you're wondering. Uh, no, I can know, see. We're still we're still skyping. We're still skyping the show at the moment. Yeah, um, we were oh, considering. Oh god, that's horrendous. We yeah, we were considering well, I've got getting together to record this week, but then we went back into lockdown. Yeah, it's so yeah. that's no fun. We uh we 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 managed to got. Managed to got lockdown smackdown, so we ended up back at our yeah. respective homes. Um, but uh, I, um, it just Marvel give you all this beautiful stuff in one clump. Yeah, and then DC go, we're going to give you that too. We've not got all of our backlog digitized as as much as they have yet, but we're working on it. It's coming. And not only that, you can watch all the cartoons you grew up with. You can watch the cartoons your mum and dad grew up with. We're going to chuck on the Saturday night shows from the 70s and the 80s. We're going to put a bit of the 60s stuff in there. We can. The 40 serials are going to be available on the app. Everything we can possibly give you, plus new shows. And it was it was like, wow. And we all got really annoyed. We did on this podcast. We're like, when the hell are we getting it over here then? Yeah. There's no announcement. What's happening? Yeah. And then we've slowly watched over the last two years... Some of the shows have been cancelled. Some have moved to other places. Yeah. HBO Max has nabbed a bunch of the films, so they chop and change. If you if you love the DC EU, for example, um, I don't know how accurate. But this why is would currently. you? <laughs> I don't know how accurate this is currently, but like, if you want to watch all the DC EU, you better get the DC Universe app and HBO Max because Batman v Superman and Donald and, and uh, Justice League. And Aquaman are over on HBO Max, but Wonder Woman and Shazam and Suicide Squad and Man of Steel, they're over on the DC Universe. And it's like, hang on, what am I doing? Birds of Prey's not on either yet, but it will be eventually. In the meantime, here's a Harley Quinn show that's the best thing this app has produced. Yeah, that's... uh, Oh my God, that's incredible. Can't wait to watch more. Oh, it's going to HBO Max now. Ah. So, Mm. it's it's so weird. I just hope now as a UK, uh, UK citizen... That we a get season two pretty damn soon because it's already gone out on the DC Universe app in the states and the countries that have the app. Yeah. And b I I just want to know that we're also going to get season three and the E four don't have to make like a new deal because HBO Max is still Warner Brothers so 
come on, don't faff us around. I want to see the best show, best new show I've watched this year. I want to be able to watch it all when it comes out, for Christ's sake. No. So, oh, okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> uh, but people keep torrenting all our stuff. Uh, we can't release it simultaneously worldwide. That would be uh, and allow people to pay for it. We can't do that. Uh, but people keep pirating it. Uh, uh, fuck off. Do you know what you are, Matt? What? You're a right Chris Nolan. <laughs> Always whining that you can't give the experience and get the experience you wanted. You just want to shoot everything in IMAX and to hell with people dying. Christopher. People ill and people dying. Children hurt and they're all crying. Christopher, I only... Why not practice what you preach, but you turn the other cheek? Father, I... father, father, help us. And I have only one from... word for you. Tenet. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Did you know, Matt? Did I know? Tenet's, Tenet's probably, not, probably not coming out. Um, no, no, no. It's definitely coming out on the 20, 26th of August on IMAX on, is, uh, in cinemas only. That is the news I am so baffled that we even have to share this week, which is... So remember last week uh, we reported that Tenet had officially been given a release date in late August and IMAX cinemas throughout Europe. Yeah. Um... Uh, no, no news on the states release yet. No news on the states release, but IMAX cinemas throughout Europe, um, because US fans of Nolan's films are getting really annoyed because they're like, people are going to be spoiling it. There's going to be spoilers all over the internet. It's like, guys, how can there be spoilers for a film that's been kept so vague on purpose that like we don't know what it's about, other than oh, time travel kind of. If you want to spoil, just, if you want to spoil a Chris Nolan film. All you need to do is kind of just post a uh, like the instruction manual for some IKEA furniture, because that's how all these films are constructed. It's like that's all it is. Well, I thought you were going to say, do you know how you spoil the Chris Nolan film? You take the time to watch that Chris Nolan oh, film. No, I, I, hey, hey, I like more Chris Nolan hey. films than I don't. But and that's why this is so perplexing because we, 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 we've been fans of his work and we have enjoyed his stuff before and, you know, I'm not going to lie, when I saw the cast list primarily for Tenet, I was like oh, cool, alright, yep I'm intrigued to see that ensemble. I think he always brings together amazing talent to work on his films and he always brings together a cast list where you sort of go oh shit. Well he seems oh, to be cool. continuing all his right. ongoing love, love affair with Killian Murphy Yeah, and uh, is Michael Caine in Tenet, do we know? Uh, is that a thing? I'm not sure. Researcher, could you get on that? I'm, I'm going to get on that what? right now. I Oh, no, hang on. The researcher can't hear us. Research can't hear us because they're sat more than two metres away in another house, <laughs> which we can't visit anymore. But we can have a drink with them down the pub. Oh, we, should have record, we should have recorded this in the fucking Lord Nelson. Um, <laughs> other pubs are all, available, but they don't have as many mobility scooters parked outside. Yeah, with all the, so, with all the old leathery blokes with the tops off who should be in Spain at this time of year. But they don't like I the EU. To, um, oh God, I went to the post office just before this recording. Uh... And, and outside the pub nearest to me, uh, the one that's been renamed 85 times and is now finally reopened again, um, there was a gentleman sat outside on a mobility scooter with a complexion that could only be best described as uncooked yam. Um, uh, <laughs> it wasn't even ham coloured. He was just sat outside it and he was just... Yam. He was He was bellowing. He was like a sweet potato uh, to, man. He was bellowing to his friend with a shopping bag who looked like he just bumped into him on the way home and was dying to like get home with his shopping. He was bellowing to, bellowing to his friend that um, I can't... I quote, I can't tell him apart half the time anyway. 
a mask's gonna make it even more annoying. Oh, and I was like, good. I'm gonna keep walking before I hear any more of what he's saying and dis- and absolutely decipher exactly what he means. Because I know full well what he means, but I'm gonna keep walking. Oh yeah. I'm gonna keep yeah, yeah, walking. You know, you know. Great, mate. Thank you so much for reinforcing the idea that everybody who's going to the pub every single day at the moment during all this is a twat. Anyway, the point is uh insert angry comments here the point is oh by the way it looks like uh, i'm wrong about tenant there is no killian murphy but there is michael kane oh hey there we go you got you gotta have killian or kane and also killian some bonus fee on the door for you oh all right there you go that's never a bad thing yeah. um but tenant is is one of those movies where like i don't i don't think either of us have been massively excited beyond just sort of the curiosity you get when you see a film that is very vague in nature hmm. um with an interesting cast list and it's it's kind of made me recent weeks reassess my opinion of chris nolan the story of his onset discipline um that it just comes across as like twatty rather than artsy or motivational uh that we covered a few weeks ago which i think is the uh the the sort of result of most uh, uh, directors and artists who who seek to come across as artistic and motivational they just come across like um, a bit of a dick I'm I'm no I'm by no means a particular fan of David S. Goya the man, but he has co-written some really good screenplays, as evidenced by two screenplays he wrote in a row in a series with the Nol with you know Chris Nolan and his brother. So with the Nolans, when yeah. I say the Nolans, don't get confused, people of a certain age. I'm talking about Chris <laughs> Nolan and his brother. Um, yeah, Colleen wasn't singing. involved in this, right? <laughs> no, Colleen. No, no, no. Um, like, but then when they took over to write the third entry of this series all of their kind of preset structural flaws and hiccups boiled to the surface um and just the more i think about it the more i'm like why he or at least this is the perception uh, of himself that he gives off through all this pissing and moaning about tenets released during a fucking pandemic yeah um the perception of himself he seems to be giving off is that i'm an artist and you all need to respect that I'm an artist. So watch my work. It's like, Chris, I say this with the utmost respect as someone who makes and works in entertainment. <laughs> like, this stuff is important. Yes, it's wonderful. It can change lives. It can tell stories. It can start conversations. But you know what's more important? People are fucking dying from a yeah. pandemic that spreads to people's lungs. So maybe, just maybe, hold your stinking horses and wait to release your big IMAX blockbuster next year for the love of shit hold off it will be next year will not be short of spaces in the movie calendar now because things that were going to come out next year are all going to be coming out the year after this is what like, chris nolan thinks of that of statement room. oh don't show me a picture of him on an ipad actually angle it with the bottom of the ipad facing me a bit more than the top that's hilarious he looks like he look. <laughs> he That's his like IMDb someone... pick. He looks like he's just smelt or something a bit funky, and he's looked at top lip. If you tilt the top of it away from me, he sort of looks like if Brendan Fraser was <laughs> murdered by ingestion of continuous Twinkies. <laughs> like if someone force-fed Brendan Fraser Twinkies for a month and then just left the corpse. Mm. That's what Nolan looks like when you tilt him that way. Mm. It's magical. Y'all have heard of No Neck Ed. This is too much Twinkie Chris. Um, <laughs> What's going to happen if Tenet doesn't come out this year? Well, you've heard of Elf on the Shelf. Get ready for Nolan on the dole. And... 
Jesus. Well, you probably tell you probably tell from the title and the thumbnail of this bloody thing. It's made us go back to watch possibly Nolan's uh, arguably his most popular work. Like you know, you you have your Inceptions. Um, I don't think there's any works. arguably about it. I think this is his hands you know, down. His Memento. Most... Memento is still a massive cult favorite, especially you know. Then there are films that people don't tend to harp on as much, like your prestiges and stuff. People don't go on about those as much. Prestige is good, but man. Prestige is pretty sweet, um, but it's also it also has its flaws. I, you know what? We'll do we'll do like a nitpick episode on it at some point. Mm. I would like to revisit it. Well, um, I think this is the biggest nitpick I've got, and I'll I'll say this before we get into any detail on either of these on either of these movies. Christopher Nolan's films are impeccably constructed to yeah. be exciting and gripping the first time you watch them but they do mm. not they do not stand up to multiple rewatches over long periods of time which is why he wants you to go watch it in IMAX for your yeah, first time you've got to go he, watch wants, it he wants to be an event because it's he because re- he realizes that it. when you get it on home media and then you watch it a few times you can be like hang on <laughs> hang on we're we are of course focusing this time on the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah. three films released in 2005, 2008, and 2012, uh, starring Christian Bale as the titular superhero Batman Begins. Um... <laughs> <laughs> He's constantly beginning. He's constantly beginning. Never follows through. Um, and Michael Caine as Altruism Pennyworth. Altruism um... Pennyworth. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and other people as well. Gotta teach me the Russian for apply your own bloody suntan lotion. <laughs> I had to subtitle that line. I've realised on this viewing, I've never understood what the fuck he's saying. You've never understood that line. It. I've never understood it. I've understood suntan lotion, but I never understood the front bit. I don't know what it is. It's something about the orchestral mix at that point because you've got uh, Zimmer's in the mix, isn't he? Zimmer's the scorer for these movies. Yeah. And by that point, you've got that dun 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 like that grand hey we've got an adventure, and then you cut to Morgan Freeman in a in a lobby, and you're like Hans. Not sure that was the score we needed for that. I no. know he's going off in a little plane from the boat, but but also Alfred. No offense, mate. Um, no offense. No offense. Like, treat treat people with respect, but you are not. I repeat, you are not fucking reluctant to apply suntan lotion to, <laughs> to the entirety to, of the Russian ballet. To the entirety of the Russian um, ballet team on that on that boat. You are not reluctant to do that, Alfred. You are an elderly man at the beck and call of an irritating billionaire he is isn't it who doesn't give you any free time you are more than allowed to be a little bit excited about the fact that you're hanging out with a load of gorgeous performers yeah for a couple of hours on a boat treat him with respect alfred don't be a dirty bastard but it's human it's human my friend anyway we're skipping ahead uh, a film um and we are covering two films this week yes. we've we basically revisited for this podcast uh first time in a while for me um the first two films of the Dark Knight trilogy. Yeah, first time why? in a while for me as well. Yeah, why? Because we could talk about these in an hour. We absolutely can. The next one is going to take more than an hour to talk about. Also, I, uh, I can't bear the thought of watching all three of Nolan's Batman films in one week because they are about a week long each. Well, also, so long. three years between these two, four years between uh dark knight and dark knight rises so a gap yeah. is probably worth it for thinking plus also the next one starts eight years later but we'll get into that well time. that's the thing as well as like um, he had to go out warner brothers had to let him go off and make inception in between because 
Um, they were just like, please, please come and finish the Batman trilogy for us. We'll give you anything we want. You want somebody to make a film? I want Here's to turn a hotel corridor. <laughs> have I want a, to turn the corridor. Have a, have it. Have have a hotel. It. Have a whole hotel, Chris. Just turn please, a hotel for you. please come back and do I, another Batman for us, please. I want to lift a city street up. I, before we start, I have a weird theory about that. Okay. So we've, we've taken the piss recently. Uh, when the tenant last tenant trailer dropped and everything, and we said last week we made a joke saying if you really want to watch tenant right now, just watch the last twenty five minutes of Doctor Strange. <laughs> but that's Inception. But also, Inception, the bloody dream stuff, city streets folding in on themselves and everything mm-hmm. that happens in Doctor Strange. I think he did that in Inception. Derrickson homaged slash. Well, you didn't really pinch it because he was basing it off of Ditko panels, like stuff like cityscapes, like folding in. I don't know if Dick, I don't know if Ditko's ever but, done that particular image, but the the idea of the shapes folding in on themselves is a very Doctor Strange and and Ditko yeah. specific imagery. But like city streets specifically, I don't think he's done. But I think like that imagery is sort of abstract enough that yeah. to be use it is not in in one in one project is not necessarily cribbing or homaging another project. Oh, no, not at all. But I think Nolan's petty enough to have seen Doctor Strange and gone, wait a minute, I did the folding streets. Well, all right, <laughs> then, you fucker. I'm going to do this. We operate in time as it works in reverse around us for a whole film. Let's be clear. Let's be clear on this. <laughs> Nolan <laughs> is petty enough to have never seen a comic book movie. Particularly not a comic book movie (laughs) produced by Marvel Studios. You did it. You fucking paraphrased the the Tim Burton quote. You did it. Oh, my God. Right. We're here to talk about Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. So to get in the mood, uh, I'm going to be eating the darkest thing I could find. Well, I say darkest because they didn't have the the straightforward one. So technically, this is actually quite a sweet, lovely version. But I want to be eating some Bourneville. Ooh, Bourneville. Yeah, except it's Bourneville rum and raisin. It's Jamaica, old Jamaica rum and raisin. So it's not like dark and gritty because it's dark and gritty. But oh, what was that? Oh, that was nice. Rum, Hopefully, I've never had it before. So we're going to see if this is nice. And raisin. Yeah. Oh, rum and raisin. You um, randy bandersnatch. <laughs> But first, let's let's smash a misconception that all of cinema, all of cinema adopted off the back of Batman Begins. All right. In Nolan's defense and Goya's defense and everyone's defense working on this film. Yes. This is not a dark reboot of Batman. It's not. It's a strip it back to basics reboot of Batman. Especially in comparison to The Dark Knight, it's actually not that dark. Mm. It's, it's And the world at large has adopted it as, well, it's gritty and realistic. It's really not. No, it's it's just stripped back. It's yeah. the Batman year one to The Dark Knight Returns. Like, that's what it is. And it is, like, it, it is weird how it sort of, like, sort of condenses and merges certain beats. <laughs> oh, you don't look happy with that, Cocker. It's a lot more rum than raisin. Oh, save it for me. <laughs> So, Sorry, go on. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of cool how it sort of it, it condenses and merges certain beats of year one, so that mm. when you get things happening, you're like, oh yeah, that's a bit like that bit in year one. But not, but it's not really an adaptation of year one. Yeah, that's something like, that this one and the Dark Knight do very well. 
they clearly they clearly have absorbed yeah. elements of certain stories and woven them into the, the the basket that is the film. Whereas the Dark Knight Rises again, we'll get into it next week. But the Dark Knight Rises very transparently is just like that from there, that from there, that from there, that from there, that yeah. from there. Just do it. Why? Because they did it in the comics. Yeah. Whereas here, it's like Year One's kind of the only obvious one to me in this where it's like yeah focus on the mob yeah big big use of the mob as, as the main antagonist essentially yeah. like the, the the mafia is the antagonistic force that the, the, the i um, mean the falcone family rachel ghoul being sorry 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 you you i'm sorry i've got to stop you there matt you you used the correct pronunciation there Ra-Zal-Gul. we're talking about the Nolan film. <laughs> god um Razal Ghoul oh, being involved God, my tits so much. would be like, oh, well, maybe it's a. It, 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 but it doesn't. is involved, but it doesn't really harken back to any particular. Um, like, Razal Ghoul story. Yeah. And There's no head of the demon. Yeah, it's no head of the demon. And this, it's. It doesn't really get into that asset. It's a very. It's, it's very much a sort of in name only version. Of, I mean, they even changed. They even changed the name. Yeah. they're the League of Shadows, not the League of Assassins. Yeah, and it, and also but they I think, I think, consistently mispronounce uh, it. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I think that's um, I think that's on purpose in the narrative for people who are unfamiliar with the concept of Rachel Ghoul and, and the League of Assassins, because it's that whole thing of we're peacekeeping, we do this, that, and the other. Like the world needs that 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 force looking out for it. Yeah. Oh wait, they're gonna they're basically it's the train Batman essentially, and he's gonna be. Batman because of this. Fantastic. And then your final trial is you've got to kill someone. So I think the reason they held off on League of Assassins is so Bruce isn't like, yeah, I'll train with the League of Assassins. Yeah, yeah, I get that. That, 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 that makes end sense. goal that I don't want. You know, it's 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 an odd one. Um on the on the Blu-ray, the Blu-ray copy has the D, the two disc DVD special features on it. And um one of them is, do you remember when they do like bios on dvd extras and they'd be semi-animated so like the text would like write in oh yeah yeah every every time you click next page the disc would go because it was basically spooling up the next next scene next scene um they had one for they had one for rachel gull rachel gull and they had one for henry ducard and they were separate and the rachel gull one the first like page is basically comic book facts about rachel gull yeah meanwhile the, the Rachel Gould pictured on the whole thing is the Ken Watanabe um, decoy yes. at the beginning. Yeah. Ken Watanabe. Again, great actors. Just like, what the? This film is full of really good actors that you don't realise are in it. Then you go, oh shit. Joe Martin's yeah, in Yeah, I had this exact same moment when I watched it. Yet, when I rewatched it, <laughs> yes, I was like, oh fuck yeah, Joe Martin's in this. I forgot about that. She did it for like two, oh, shit, two seconds, but like. Oh yeah. But it's like, there's the doctor. Holy shit. Um, just popping up. saying hello. I mean, Rutger Hauer. I keep forgetting Rutger Hauer's in this. Yeah. Because it's just, and this is a problem we'll get into, you feel like a lot of great actors are cast because they're great actors and they know, like, right, this part isn't particularly huge. So we're going to cast someone really good to bring an A-game to it so that it doesn't just fade into the background. But then what they give them is so small or so little or so uninteresting that you sort of feel like these great actors are being wasted a little bit. But they I think, come in, they do their thing, and then they go, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, there we are. I think that speaks to my sort of biggest problem with the Nolan trilogy in general. Um, and it's definitely more of a problem in Batman Begins than it is in The Dark Knight. But <laughs> a lot of it, and this is this is going to sound a bit weird, things only... Not enough nude. 
Not enough nude. Oh, uh, yeah, not enough nude. Not enough nudes. Um, <laughs> send more nudes, please. Nolan nudes. Um, Nolan nudes. <laughs> God, that's a dark subreddit. I don't want to go on. Um, we're going to hell. We're going to hell. <laughs> we're, going, we're, we're already there. We're already in hell. Uh, let's be honest. Is that things don't happen in these films, or, or things only happen in these films because the script says they happen. Yeah, nothing and, uh, feels nothing like feel, it's organic. Like, look at the relationship between Bruce and uh, and Rachel. Sort of love interest. In all of it, yeah, it, it, they tell you about it. Yeah, which, and then they, but it never really. There's, there's a romance. It never really feels like a romance. Like the dialogue only sort of the dialogue's very detached. Like it'll sound natural mm-hmm. one minute, and then all of us in the next line, someone will drop in this. proverb out of nowhere every scene feels Um, like it's it's the dialogue moment in the middle of a montage yeah like when you have a montage and it feels like training montage and in the middle you you know in the middle you have um thinking you know mr Miyagi suddenly imparts wisdom in the middle yeah like correct daniel's son and then the music blares back up and the montage carries on but that's every every dialogue scene in a nolan film yeah so many of the scenes in this movie, and this is like a two-hour, um, sort of just two over two hours. Hour, I think it's two 30? hours ten or something. Oh uh, uh, yeah, I might be two off with credits. Maybe I was. Dark, Dark Knight's like straight up two and a half, a little bit longer than two and a half. But this, yeah. I think, is about um, two ten, two fifteen, maybe. Not many scenes are longer, and when I say scenes, I mean like here's what's happening in this moment. Uh, characters talking, conversation. Not many scenes are longer than two minutes. No. It's really strange. I think that's why scenes like again we'll get to it, but I think that's why scenes like the interrogation room in Dark Knight stand out because they are so long. Yeah, they're a bit longer. It's like, oh yeah, Batman Begins. The longest scene to me, to my memory, was um, and yeah, I might be wrong. I might just be hyperbole, but the longest scenes to me were Henry Ducard approaching Bruce in the cell at the beginning because it felt slow enough as like after this little fist fight outside, it's suddenly. And now we're going to talk. That's a fairly like solid dialogue scene, idea. yeah. And then it builds up. And then the uh, the scene in, in Flashback 48, because Memento meets Quentin Tarantino, <laughs> um, uh, where Bruce uh, confronts Falcone in yeah. the restaurant. Yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. But they're probably also, like if we timed them, they're probably also about two minutes at most. And it's just because the pacing of the scene yeah. is more like methodical. Nolan doesn't sit still which we now know um yeah. from his on-set instructions if you're not sit, if sit. You're no sitting, sits on his you're not set. working piss off nolan jesus christ oh my god anyway um so for, for, the, for those who have no idea what the hell we're talking about long and short batman begins is a uh reboot of the batman film franchise that has nothing to do with the previous four entries although it's ambiguous enough that you can imagine they were probably originally making it with a make it so this could be a prequel because at this point there hadn't really been a reboot of a superhero franchise mm. before this was the first one where it was like we're starting from absolute scratch it doesn't look as like, modern the other. as batman as, that, mm. as the dark knight oh that's true it looks and a bit more out of it's definitely set in present day um because there's references to certain technologies and stuff yeah but you know, the older films, especially the two Burton ones, are set in a timeless kind of thing anyway, which fits in with the art deck. I mean, when you have that sweeping shot of Gotham in this with the with the train, the first kind of wide shot of yeah. Gotham, you're like, yeah. oh, that's kind of comic booky. That sort of looks a bit a bit 
um, like if we'd gone above the city street level of the Burton film, yeah. it's like that's what it looks like. Okay, fair enough. Um, we're obviously not in the Schumacher universe because there's no giant like um, naked Grecian statues holding up neon buildings. Sadly, um, <laughs> sadly, yeah, no, I agree. Um, and what's really weird is this film geographically shows Gotham to be one thing. And then the next two films... Well, the, the next film kind of goes, yeah, forget that. Yeah. That's not Gotham. And then this the next film does it again. But then the third one goes, yeah, no, 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 it's more like the first film, but we have a bridges to separate things now. You're like, wait, what? But anyway. Yeah. It's because um, they were all filmed in different this. cities. There's no the consistency the as to old, how Gotham looks. First film with a big old whacking Wayne Tower sticking up, which was much appreciated. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is the story of, of Bruce Wayne who loses his parent, a billionaire uh, child who loses his parents to a random crime in an alleyway one night. Um, he grows up petulant and angry. He decides to take his vengeance out on the person who killed his parents and then changes his mind. He realizes that death is not the answer. He takes that rage and travels the world, learning the criminal mind, always partaking in crimes where he himself is not a criminal, uh, which is kind of charming, but also really convoluted when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, eventually he does get arrested and is approached by a man called Henry Ducard, who works for the, uh, legendary Ra's al Ghul in the mountains. And they, uh, they run a thing called the League of Shadows, which is essentially a vigilante cult. And they're going to like, we're going to make the world better. And the world doesn't know that it needs to be made better. And that's what we do. We get in there and we look after things and we get rid of injustice. And it's like, oh, great. And he trains with them and he learns about their drugs, like where they drug themselves up and confront their fears and hallucinations. Go quicker, Chris. This is almost taking as long as the film. You know, and then, and then <laughs> he, he, he's, he's asked to kill a man and he refuses to do it. And the whole temple comes down and Ra's al Ghul is supposedly killed and he saves Ducard and then buggers off back to Gotham and becomes Batman and using his butler Alfred and Lucius Fox, who's a brilliant guy who's head of like tech and R&D at Wayne Tech. Um, at Wayne Enterprises he creates the Batman persona and he takes on the mob uh, has to deal with uh, the unrequited um, not unrequited love but the sort of like disrupted uh, love and relationship with his childhood best friend because uh, everyone presumed him dead and she's like where the fuck have you been mate Yeah. Um, uh, especially because he doesn't say anything to her for like the first week of being back and then they just bump into each other and it's like oh Bruce you prick while he's being a weird playboy while he's doing his weird playboy act yeah which again this film I think is the only one that really indulges in that there's a bit of it in Dark Knight but this film really indulges in it in yeah. a way that was like that's like the animated series on, on film I appreciate it like he's a big dumb airheaded playboy yeah like, all right, I buy it because no way is anyone going to look at Batman and this Bruce Wayne and go, they're the same person. I completely buy it. Well done, film. Different from how the Keaton version is where it's like he's weird and aloof. Yeah. And Batman is like obviously something he'd never do. In this one, it's like, we got to distract from the fact that he is a built, handsome guy by making him look like a fucking moron. Yeah. Yeah. So no one buys his Batman. Which so they I'm did like, quite well, I think. Sure. They do it really, really well. And uh, uh, he has to deal with the Scarecrow who's using a familiar fear-based toxin, uh, and eventually the re-emergence of the League of Shadows and Ra's al Ghul, who it turns out was Ducard all along, ah! and and uh, Gotham's going to be destroyed by a fear bomb and to make a statement, and he stops them, and that's the end of the film. <laughs> fear bomb, um, that's the best description. Yeah, what's it called? What's it actually called? The, the, so something they, disruptive? They've, something they've dumped a bunch of the fear drug into Gotham's water supply, and they're using this fancy gadget to vaporize the water supply. It's just something emitter. It's a microwave emitter. Yeah. 
um, so that's it, yeah. they, to vaporize the water supply and that'll distribute the fear gas around the whole city. And they put it on a train so it goes through the whole city and they've got to stop a train and uh, there's all that business. And, oh, Wayne, Te- Wayne Enterprises made it, but Wayne didn't know about it because he was dead at the time. And so it's <laughs> it's just <laughs> all that stuff. But One Begins is, is, is pretty good. Like, I don't want it to sound like I'm... Like, I don't like these movies, because I do. Oh, no, I enjoy it. I enjoy this one a lot. Um, but, I, I've got a few notes, actually. Go on. But I do have to say that both this and The Dark Knight suffer the more you rewatch them. The more you think about them. Yeah, because... It, and it's not... It's not I, think, I, think a, I think a rewatch is okay, but it's the more you start to think about what you're yeah. watching. You and know? it's not Hang even on. because that there's anything particularly wrong with them. It's just because of the way the movies are constructed. Like I say, things happen mm. because... Um, that's what the script says happens. Hmm. Like for yeah. such long and dense films, there's not actually a ton of character development in them. So oh, no. a lot, a, a lot well, of it I, just come like things just keep happening. And well, I, I, I popped down here that um that like it's 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 a character piece. It's not an action film. It's a character piece with action beats. But it doesn't it. actually have a lot of character in it. Weirdly, Ex- except except for Bruce. Like Bruce is the only person, and even then, even then, it's sort of like because the first, because it's the first fifty minutes, intercuts between near present day with him training with the League of Shadows. Oh yeah, of course. Childhood Bruce with Thomas and Martha Wayne, and this is also the first film where you actually really get to know his mum and dad, and you go, "These are good." Well, his dad, not really his mum. Well, his his dad more so, but but you get the whole like these are loving people, like the the the, these guys care deeply for their kid, and their dad especially, like really sets up value. It make this is the first time where in a film they've given any any thingy to the parents, like say specifically the dad, that make you go, "Oh." This is why he misses them. I mean, obviously, you'd miss if your parents were taken from you like that at a young age. But, like, the things his dad teaches him, like, do you know what I mean? But only his dad, because as you can see from other films, Nolan is only ever concerned with fathers. Only ever concerned with fathers, only ever concerned with the male leads. I'll say say this. Do you remember how when you watch Inception, Ellen Page is the lead, and then halfway through, she's not the lead anymore for some reason? Yeah. Just saying. Um, um, the Prestige. It's about two dudes fighting and talking to other dudes. And also Scarlett Johansson's here, maybe. Um, you know, it's... it's, it's oh God. But anyway, so so this is this the closest superhero movie I can compare this to, because this is not a superhero movie, except it is. Like, it, it isn't it's until it Bones is. Ba- it's Bare Bonds Batman, and then it becomes a character piece, and then they go, oh shit, we need to put some comic book stuff in here. So they put it in occasionally... Um, it's the closest film I can compare it to is Iron Man, but the difference is Iron Man, which again is a it's a character movie with the occasional action beat. Yeah. The reason Iron Man works better is because it lingers. You see a character grow and change over the course of the movie yeah. and actively actively grow, learn, try to change and change. What? Like you see Tony like go, I can't be this anymore. I'm going to be this, and you watch him take that journey to it. Yeah. Also, what Favreau did with Iron Man, and and um, it's it's come to light a lot more in recent years uh, through interviews, um, almost as though they were like at the time, don't t- don't tell people this is how we did it. And in recent years, it's like fine, tell them. Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow, and Robert Downey Jr. have talked about like ninety percent of Iron Man is improvised. Yeah, I can believe like, that. The, yeah. They had they had notes on what to say and specific lines and certain shots and set pieces, but 
what do we all remember from Iron Man? Why did why did we as as young adults and adults fall in love with it? Because of the chemistry between Tony and Pepper, like you know the back and forth of all that stuff was like the most this just watching Tony developing this cool as fuck motor car for the body, like yep. you know that was that was. And all, so much of that is improvised. Like the puppeteers doing the robot arms were just improving bits with Robert Downey Jr. And like twenty of those bits are in the film. Yeah. It's like it's that's organic and it grows. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. feels natural. Whereas, like you say, this is it's an IKEA cabinet instruction booklet. Yeah, it's like so every mechanical. Scene in Batman Begins is efficient. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that on set with Christopher Nolan, there's ever the opportunity to improvise something oh. or sort of like ad lib something. No, no. I bet he's the kind Wait. of. I bet he's the kind of director who gets really pissed off if you throw in a, a a change on one of the lines or a little bit of something. Um, he can't cut around action for shit. <laughs> That's something I learned in this movie. Mm. He can't cut around action. Fight scenes are barely coherent. Yeah. Um. You. you it. The fight scenes rely on the surroundings to tell you what's going on. Um, like with the tussle with Ra's al Ghul in the carriage at the end, when they're in the cockpit and the be- uh, the 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 passenger uh, the bloody driver's cabinet uh, driver driver's cockpit of the train, I can't tell what what move they're performing on each other no. at all. No, no. But but I know that someone's head has hit like the panel because you see a close up of the panel at one point as like someone's head goes down. It's like no one, what are you do fight choreographers obviously came up with sequences they're not just yeah yeah coming up with stuff out you know pulling christian bell's not just pulling taekwondo out of his arse but it's very much about how they're shot and edited which Mm. and he can't edit it he can't edit it and he can't choose the right shots to show it off it's like the cats movie where it's like brand new choreography oh amazing cool all right let's shoot it all in wide yeah (laughs) well no but like even just shooting it in wide without james fucking corden in the foreground or whatever like would at least be like look at this choreography yeah Whereas instead they're just kind of in the background of close-ups, and you're like, if if you've worked hard at this, show it, show it to us, show us, um, it. show us your nipples. Oh, talking to that, oh, Jesus, <laughs> talking to that scene. I've written here. Yeah, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. Is badass hyperbole and makes no fucking sense. Yeah, he's also <laughs> killed a lot so of people bad. by that point. Like the entire League of Shadows at the start of the film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, they have not, I, they've not I survived. I won't kill this I man. Mean, the decoy dies, and it's yeah, his fault. But I'll, I'll burn so. your entire house down. Um, and also, when when Raz is like, oh, oh you, you burned my house and left me for dead, now we're even. Well, he didn't leave you for dead, did he? He left you with someone to look after you. Who then but says... It, but it's a badass line, I will it's tell a you. Line. I will tell him that you saved his life. And yeah. it's like, oh, you, you burned my house down and left me for dead. Yes, he did burn your house down. That's true. But he did not leave you for dead. Yeah, that was the whole he, point of that entire yeah. scene of like, let him, I'll let him know you saved him. Yeah, but Just... nope, I'll... I'll... <laughs> uh, what, what was the other thing that really... Bugged? This movie's got a very... And I think it's less of a problem in The Dark Knight, although it's still there. And this is kind of a problem with Batman as a whole for me as I get older and wiser, allegedly. It's got a very, very black and white view of right and wrong. Yeah. And like criminals yeah. as sort of not people who have to be fought. Yeah. And like not a societal but and I think it's kind of I inherent mean, in even, the story that you're telling, but it it never sort of confronts that. 
He just keeps telling you that he's got to beat up criminals. He's got to beat up criminals. It, his his crusade seems very selfish. It is super selfish. As you know, like in the in the comics and, and the animated series, they really reassert the idea of he did this at first out of a feeling of of revenge and resentment, and then turned it into a, into a mission to not let any other child have to go through what he went through. Which is which is also part of his like no killing rule. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to take a life. I'm not going to rip a life out of this world because even if they're like a bad guy with a bomb strapped and whatever, like threatening to kill people. They know people who will miss them, whose lives will be ruined by them being killed, by them being murdered. Do you know what I mean? He, yeah. He's like, that's that's not what I'm about. Batman is like, Batman will only ever kill if it's some kind of like inhumanoid fucking lab experiment that you know is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he's never he's never gonna he's never gonna turn around to Clayface and be like, I'm going to murder you because you know. Basil Carlo slash Matt Hagen, like they are a person, yeah, and they know people, and those people's lives will be hurt or affected if they die. Like, you know, which is why the Joker is so perplexing because it's like no one will miss it if this motherfucker goes. No one will miss it if you kill. Just kill him, and he's like, no, because that's against my moral code. That's the point. It makes me no better than him if I take his life. Whereas in this movie, it's very much like they give they give you Joe Chill in court. We see Joe Chill in court. Yeah. Um. Because of course this marks the movie debut of Joe Chill. That character hadn't been in a movie up to yeah, this point. Yeah, it had been um, uh, Jack Napier before that. Or they don't so, talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so we so we see him, and you see him on on trial. And this is this is with the uh, late teens, early twenties Bruce, and you know he's late teens, early twenties because Christian Bale's hair is styled like a boy. Um, <laughs> but the rest of him is face... chiselled like a man. Well, that's the thing. His face and features are too chiselled and gaunt. To, for him to look like a, a young man yeah like he looks like he's in his 30s so it, it's always i always find that very odd like like katie holmes at least kind of has a very cherubic face and she could easily be in her 20s through to her 40s and you not really know unless she says because she's got very young features yeah whereas whereas christian bale is like no you're in your late 30s right surely um <laughs> surely he, he sits be. there he sits there in the thing and joe chill gives a, a very genuine like bit of dialogue like he's on he's basically like they're looking at releasing him aren't they like 10 years after the fact or what have you and he clearly regrets what he did he's he can't believe he took two lives that night he he's he feels fucking horrible and then there's that bit of the judge goes which is a brilliant moment of tension and i think it's this this is really well done where it's focusing on chill and wayne is in soft focus in the background and the judge says uh is uh, I understand there's a member of the Wayne family here today. Yeah. Um, would you? Is there anything you'd like to say? And you see Bruce stand up in soft focus, and they let the camera like just linger on the reaction of the actor playing Joe Chill, and he's doing phenomenal work. Mm-hmm. Like you can see all the regret and the fact that he's about to like face the child whose life he ruined, and Bruce just walks out of the courthouse and it's like that is fucking great we never get anything like that again for the rest of it but then we never get anything like that again and bruce immediately is in the in the hallway with a gun like i'm gonna shoot him it's like right hang on for fuck's sake. I, I i don't want bruce wayne to necessarily come away from that and be like i'm gonna give him a hug he's right he didn't do it on purpose like he's not gonna be like that but he's not gonna be i'm still gonna kill him i'm still gonna kill him 
if unless his motivation is completely selfish which in this movie it absolutely is mm. i mean for fuck's sake alfred declares him dead because he genuinely doesn't know if he's alive or not he doesn't tell his best friend that he's leaving town they set it up that it's an act of desperation like he has to get out of town because falcone's now gonna sort of like fuck with him and and they they sort of make a point of him saying like are your friend in the da's office or, or your, 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 your butler yeah you're like oh he's doing it to keep them safe but you I mean, you could literally just pop home, tell Alfred that you're going to leave town and leave like a note for Rachel or do you know what I mean? It, it's I know they do it for the dramatic effect so that he can suddenly come back. But I don't know. For me, the thought that Bruce Wayne disappeared for like 15 years and then came back is more suspicious than mm. him going to going to school elsewhere and just glumping around and going on a massive gap year as a billionaire, which is in most adaptations his cover story. He just fucks off around to Europe and oh he's gonna have a great time, he's gonna get high, he's gonna fuck a lot of people, <laughs> he's gonna hang out in models. That's the alibi while really he's like training and, and learning with the bloody you know, like learning with like Lady Shiva and, and Zatanna's dad and you yeah. know like he's he's training himself to, to And the, the real Henri Ducat. Eventually the Batman. Yeah, yeah. The, the, gra- I mean? the actual it's... world's greatest detective, not just yeah, someone with a bad moustache. Um, uh, so it's 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 just it seems really odd that he's like you say it's black and white. It's but but then considering how black and white it is for him to be like, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you. So you're killing yeah. him. You're flat you're killing out him. killing him. You're killing him by an action. Just uh, or oh, then again maybe like. Maybe Ray, Raz, sorry, Raz. Maybe he just accepts, like, like. well, I guess this is the end for me. Hib, 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 hib. Also, they never really hib, hib, elaborate. Hib, hib, hib. Is he the... I guess he was the only head of the League of Shadows then. Yeah. But and, there and, must have been the, someone the way, before. The way, that Nolan, the way that Nolan adapts Ra's al Ghul living forever with the Lazarus pits, renewing his health and everything every, like, you know... Every time he's severely injured, or every few um, you know, decades, Nolan's interpretation of that is: no, it's one guy, but the f- the person who everyone assumes it is is a decoy every time. Yeah. So people are like, "Oh, Russell Gould was killed," but wait, no, there he is again, and it's like, "Oh, right." So you want people to think that it's the same person? Interesting then that you pick an Asian cast member. And you give them the same facial hair. Yeah. And you go, it's the same person. It's like, um... Is it, though? What are you trying to say there, Mr. Nolan? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because... it's I don't know. I don't flame it now. Uh, Gotham is, according to Raz, in that last scene in particular, America's favourite city. He calls it that at one point. Because he's saying, like, we're America's favourite... Yeah. Um, but that mean I've written here. But that means the outside world is unaware of the corruption. If it's indeed America's favorite city, the outside world doesn't look at it as a corrupt mm. cesspool. Then they look at it as oh, it's great, uh, and that it's really a shithole. So how how does this send a message to the world that like the corrupt establishments are going to be torn apart for the sake of justice? It just looks like a terrorist attack uh, on on a successful metropolitan. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's the League of Shadows plan. Because in the comics, for those who don't know, League of Assassins. Their whole thing is basically, this world is unjust. It's full of rapists and murderers and arsonists and corrupt lawmen and, and, and you know, uh, paedophiles. And, and, and what we're going to do is we are going to find cities where that are rife with crime and we're going to fucking wipe that city off the map. 
All right, mate. And then we're going to do it to the. And then we're going to do it to the next city that's like that. And we're going to do it to the next city until all that's left are societies that are grateful that they've been given the chance, with our leadership, to bring about a better age. So essentially, they are if Batman were a murderer and didn't mind collateral damage in the the wake of what he's doing to get rid of bad people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's it's so it's it's it all batman's best villains are in some way a mirror to him and rachel ghoul is basically here's what would happen if he had power influence and the ability to do this forever like this is the race is basically race is venom to batman spider-man it's like this is the big exaggerated evil as fuck version of you yeah um who then is like you're gonna be my heir like, you're going to take over from me. Like, I can only resurrect myself so many times before it's going to take its toll on me. And I want to know that my job has begun and the work will be done. And I want you to take charge. Whereas in this, it's more, we want you to join us. It'll be a laugh. Oh, you didn't join us? Well, I guess we'll go fucking attack your city next then. Um, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. this, this, it's just, I don't know. There's a lot of petty motivation in this. Um, yeah, again, it's like nothing written... feels, nothing's got any oh, weight of character behind it. Especially the central romance. It just falls completely flat oh, for me. I feel so bad for... We'll get, we'll get to this in the Dark Knight as well. I feel so bad for Katie Holmes. I feel so bad for the female leads in these movies. Um, I wrote it, everyone speaks like the audience needs spoon-feeding the subtext. Yep. There's a... There's a Insert a uh, Dark Place uh, clip here. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all cowards. Um, I mean, there's literally a bit at the end where Katie Holmes says, like, there'll be a time we'd have to wear the mask, but this is your mask. And she's, like, you know, caressing his face and stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, he's Bruce Wayne. And it's like, yeah, that's that's the that's that's the subtext. Yeah. That is the subtext that Bruce yeah. Wayne is the, is the fake identity. Like, who everyone sees as Bruce Wayne is the fake identity and Batman is who he really is. Like, but you're, you're taking time to say this. And I'm not hearing any of Rachel in this. No. I'm just hearing Nolan going, you see, uh, Bruce Wayne is actually the mask. And uh, <laughs> Batman is the real man. But it comes out of nowhere. Like, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. How? Why would she feel like that about him? It, it, from, where, from the interaction she's had with him up till that point. It just doesn't... It's not what I am underneath. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. Okay. He says that earlier as Bruce, doesn't he? No, she says it to him as Bruce. She says it to That's him. That's how she knows that he's Batman because Batman says that. Why would Batman she say that. it to him? Like, what is it? It's not who you are underneath. It's what you do that defines you. It's like, hang on. What What a weirdly specific thing to say just because your friend's being a bit of a jerk. Like, what a weirdly specific well, he, thing Well, he's say. saying, like... Oh, all this, all this stuff, because it's after he's coming out of the hotel, mm. after he's bought it, and he's been swimming in the in the lobby. And he's like, oh, yeah. it's not, it's not who I am. This isn't me. This isn't me. And yeah. she's like, but then she drops that phrase, and it's like, this, yeah. that's not something somebody would say. That's a proverb. That's not actual. There's a few of them in this film. Yeah. Why do we fall, Bruce? So we can learn to pick ourselves back up. Uh, actually, it's called gravity. Again. It's called, that's why we fall. It's gravity to no, think. Um, that, that's a great that's a great mantra but like don't confuse it by adding a bunch of others in there yeah and show a moment where he's at his absolute lowest and then he picks himself back up and does you know does something with it 
Um, but it kind of I doesn't. mean, for fuck's sake, Into the Spider-Verse uses that exact same analogy, but it bookmarks the film with it. It bookends yeah. the film with it. Like, I always get back up, says Chris Pine's Spider-Man at the beginning. And then Miles at the very fucking end, when he's essentially facing death, having been beaten to a pulp, sees his dad, realizes what he's doing, what it takes to be Spider-Man, and gets the fuck back up. Yeah. And it's like, bookends the film. It's great. In this, you've got, why do we fall? It's not who I am underneath. You ever dance with the devil in the pill? Yeah. Like, it's, you know, if only just, we had that. It, and it feels like they're just throwing something like that in there. Well, uh, it's also, it's also out, jarring with things like... Um, the moment where Gordon sees the Batmobile drive away and it goes back to me, he's like, I gotta get me one of those. And it just feels completely out of place. Yeah. And it's not... It, yeah. That, that is a thing that was in the script before... I'm assuming, this is all conjecture. That's the thing that was in the script before Gary Oldman was cast, before they had any idea of how Gordon was going to be. Play but because yeah. Nolan isn't interested in how the actors inhabit the characters. He's only interested that the things yeah. in the script happen. It's still in there. I honestly, I think I think Nolan's probably a bit like Robert Zemeckis in that he's actually not that interested in actors. <laughs> like, yeah. he probably would be happier yeah. working on animation where he doesn't have to deal with people in such a... Um, in Real such an way. involved way. <laughs> yeah, he can just get what him to record it? dialogue and then what is it doesn't have to position just- him. Just before they turn the microwave on, he gives a one-liner that's really fucking stupid. It's trying to spread the word, and the word is panic. Yeah. Why would he say that? He's never acted like that in any of the previous scenes. It was like, it's time to spread the word. And the word is panic. It's like, you've not acted like that nope. in any previous scene in this movie. Like, you're not a one-liner villain. You're not a poster-quote villain. The fuck is going on? Yeah. I just... I don't know. Uh, the standouts for me, uh, there are three cast members who stand out the most as like, you guys made this work. And as a result, I'm completely behind your characters. I mean, yeah. B- Bale does a damn fine job, but like there are three actors who like, I go this and it's Morgan Freeman as Lucius Fox. Yep. Like his role in the script is functional. Morgan Freeman turns it into just that, but with enough of a twinkle that you're like, I like this guy. Yeah, it's his Freeman I charm. I really like it's this his, guy. It's his uh, um, Morgan Freeman charm TM. <laughs> That's my charm. My Morgan Freeman charm. Trademark. Um, <laughs> Killian Murphy is Jonathan Crane. Yeah. Because he's in a comic book movie. Yeah, no one else knows it. But yeah, he is. everyone else is acting like this is straight drama, which, you know, you should take it seriously. But like, at the end of the day, he's... An asylum doctor who wears a sack on his head yeah. and turns his victims insane with deodorant. Like, he he knows what he is, so he's having a blast playing him. That's why that scene with Falcone um, in, the, in, the, in the interrogation room is great, when he's, quote-unquote, mm. assessing him. And he, yeah. just, he just seems sort of like, uses his patience, and he's like, this fucking guy, all right. Yeah. And then he pulls the mask out. Um, I mean, just even... just choices of line reading like this is yeah. the same year as uh as uh, the wes craven film red eye which is uh, a beautiful tight like uh, 71 yeah, yeah, yeah. 71 minute movie where rachel mcadams gets on a red eye flight and she meets a passenger played by kelly murphy and it becomes clear that like he has a murderous intent and like eventually when they get off the plane like he pursues her and she has to fucking fight for her life and kill him 
Um, it's got one of my favorite like injuries in a horror film ever, where she she he's crawling up the stairs after her. She's like trying to get up. She kicks him in the thigh, and her heel, her stiletto, sticks in his leg. He screams, and as he's fumbling, like trying to move it, but obviously screaming every time he moves it. She just she just leans down real quick, unbuckles both of her shoes, gets her feet out, and legs it down the hallway, <laughs> leaving him with his stiletto stuck in his leg. That's it's quite so good. good. But That's it's the same. Good. It's the same. It's the same year, and in both of them, he's he's reveling in playing a villain. Uh, and making choices where it's like, oh, you're having fun. And in this, like, it's just the line reads. It's the weird, like, like the whole, what is it? It's the Batman. And it's just like, why are you doing it that way? Oh, because it looked fucking great in a trailer. Mm. That's why. Um, and I don't remember if they used it in a trailer, but they definitely used it in a TV spot in the UK. I remember that in a TV spot yeah. around the time that's coming out. But also, that clearly fucking inspired the uh, the opening titles of the adjacent animated release, The Batman. No, the okay, yeah, because right. the end, the end of the title sequence, this voice goes the Batman. <laughs> it's like the last chord, and it, and that was released at the same time as this, not as a tie-in, but obviously as a well, this is not for kids strictly, so here's a kids thing yeah. to sell toys, yeah. and uh, it's a pretty great show actually. Um, so Killian Murphy's a blast, and Tom Wilkinson as Carmine Falcone mm. is brilliantly boo hissable, like he's a nasty piece of work. And it's sort of the first time Carmine Falcone gets adapted, I think. Really, yeah, isn't I think it? so. Even in, the animated, even in the animated series, the Falcones get name dropped, but they, they essentially sort of they sort of mash up all of the famous Gotham mobsters into Rupert yeah. Thorne. So it, it's it's like, oh wow, the Falcones are in this, which again, more year one, more more um, parallels to like Long Halloween, a book that Nolan has definitely read, uh, as we will discuss. <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say about Batman Big Wins? Um, no, Batman not really. Wins. It's, it's like I say, it's mostly pretty good, but it's just difficult for me. Like I say, as I get older and wiser, to really buy into Batman as a as a sort of fully sympathetic character because it is just at the root of it, it's a rich white dude dressing himself up in S and M gear and beating poor people. Like that's what it is. Well, I don't know about and you, but difficult. that sounds sexy to me. Well. And it's kind of it's kind of just difficult to get away from that, I think especially you just described my fetish. I know, right? Especially when <laughs> this film's like moralizing all over it about how criminals need to be punished that... and the, and the system doesn't work, and it just That's it doesn't jive. Thing. It doesn't jive. It's a brilliant origin and deconstruction of why Batman would become Batman and why you someone would do this and how they would do it in yeah. particular. But it also removes the fact. Uh, it also removes. Uh, Bruce Wayne's um, responsibility a little bit, yeah. It because here's the thing: if you read the comics, if you watch the animated series, you know. I mean, the third Arkham game in the Rocksteady trilogy kind of is all about this in terms of Batman's story, although convoluted. But it's about this. Batman is not a well man. No, no. Batman no, no. is not a Batman. Is it Batman is a very dangerous individual. Yes, he's on the side of the angels, so to put it black and white. Like, he's a good person who wants to save the day and save lives. Yeah. But look what he does to do it. Like, you have to... Like, you, there's a reason he and Superman are a clash of personalities. It's not because, I hate you because you're this. Well, I hate you because you're this. It's because Superman looks at Batman and goes like, Bruce, you could be doing a load of good without doing this. Yeah. Like... 
maybe let me like and, and you know Diana and Co. We could do this sort of stuff. And it's like no, they have to face justice. You're like oh okay. The Lego Batman movie does a great job of like putting up that he's not he's not quite there. He's not quite no, on the level no. of understanding the people whose lives he's saving. And and you know it's it's. Uh, you know the Arkham Knight delves into that with the idea of like you know he's got a he's got a bad voice inside his head that like points out you're a bit fucking sadistic you don't even seem to realize it mate like I'm here just commenting on it but like you know yeah. you're, I mean you let this happen you've had boy sidekicks who've been beaten and traumatized and killed and like and all because they're all part of your lifestyle and you don't think this is wrong. Like you don't stop for a minute and go, what the hell am I doing? It's you know, there's, there's, it's. Uh, I think Batman is more palatable overall in comic book and animated form because you can kind of detach from reality a little bit. Yeah, and you can, you know, the, the same way you love Bugs Bunny, not because he's relatable, but because like he personifies things that you understand and 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 can see and enjoy yeah um, but there's something about the sort of batman on the page does that quite well yeah. the 70s denny o'neill he writes batman knowing full well that we should be rooting for good and justice to win out at the end of the day but bruce is not like we did not appoint him judge jury and executioner and everyone go this is great you should do it this way yeah he's sort of somewhere in between and he kind of acknowledges the uh, the 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 irony of him doing the things that he does to quote-unquote stop criminals by committing That's more what crimes. Alfred's great for. Alfred's great for that. Yeah. Like Alfred is used when the writers are on it, Alfred is used as that voice of reason where Alfred's constantly stuck in a difficult position where all he wants to do is make sure that his, let's face it, his child is yeah, going to yeah. be safe and okay. A man he loves so much he wants to make sure that he's going to be all right and he will do everything he can to make sure he can do what he needs to do safely with as much backup and support as possible he's there to patch up his wounds he's there to feed him he's there to fucking bathe him and clothe him and like look after him when he's been put beaten to a vegetable pulp by killer croc like <laughs> you know that's what alfred's there to do but at the same time he wishes bruce would do anything else yeah with yeah. his life anything else with his life he does not want bruce to do this but he's going to stand by him because that's what he like swore to do he loves him so much he's going to support him but he does not want to he doesn't want him to do these things and the nolan films only really get to that with the third one alfred is very much his supporter in this but that's again because the films take it from a point of view of bruce wayne is completely in the right um Whereas the third one finally lets Alfred kind of go, no, fucking no. Mm -hmm. Like, this is ridiculous and I'm not going to support this and I'm not going to get behind this. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll get behind characters having weird holdups at odd times as we go into the IMAX Spectacular. Yeah. That's right, boys and girls. Your TV's not broken. It's just doing Can the I big just thing. Say, this is the thing, because it, it didn't really bother Keeks, but it really bothers me watching it on home release. Where the aspect yeah. ratio keeps That's fucking changing all the time. Yeah. It's like, do it in one yeah. aspect ratio. Why? Do you know, it didn't used to bother me on a smaller telly. No, but, but on a bigger one. Now, now that we've got bigger yeah. T, like naturally, you know, 12 years later, it's more common that everyone has sort of a 
a TV starting at like bloody forty inches uh, at the very least, it it's so much more noticeable going from letterbox to full screen. Yeah, it's really really weird. Also, especially when um, like mo- all, most screens are sixteen nine at this point. So yeah. doing sixteen nine for IMAX is great, but then going back to two point three five to one letterbox yeah. for the stuff that would normally be in sixteen nine is just weird. Well, you know what we should have done, Matt. What we should be watching this on an IMAX screen? No, because on an IMAX screen, it's the same. It goes from full screen to letterbox on the IMAX screen. So like, oh. you don't know, you don't notice it though, because you have to, you'd have to look up and down all the way. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> you got a sore neck. Dark Knight. Oh, I still, I still like this film a lot. I would go so far as to say, I still love this film. Uh, Dark Knight is, but, holds up super well. Yeah, it's really, really, but, re- very, very good indeed. And I, I think as time uh, goes by. I'm able to identify the exact reasons why I love it now, as opposed mm. to just, oh, I love The Dark Knight. Now I'm like, I love these things about The Dark Knight. Yeah. If that makes any yeah. sense. I would say of the Nolan trilogy, it's the only one that I would call absolutely essential viewing. Yeah. Oh, and God, yeah, yeah. I would if... say most of that is down. It's not because... I think it's his best film. Like, overall. Yeah, probably. Just, it doesn't stop. It doesn't hold yeah. up. It has a few quiet moments, but it's mostly just like, oh, you want to watch, you want to watch a really slick, really mm. like, sort of classy crime action film, um, that for two and a half hours is going to whiz by, and at the end of it, you'll be like, wait, that was two and a half. Hours. See, I think it's a bit You're too kidding long. Me, really? Oh, I have the. Oh, I feel the. I feel the opposite. I feel. Oh, okay. I feel like it's. I mean, I don't. I don't wish it was any longer, but it. it yeah. It doesn't. I feel like it's two films. All right. Okay. Like I, just, yeah. I think like it's a two-hour-long film, and then a half-hour film jammed on the end of it that could be its own thing. It's it's the film about Bruce Wayne, Rachel Dawes, Harvey Dent, um, Commissioner Gordon, and it's a film about the Joker, uh, Batman versus the Joker. I, I, I mean, just Joker. from a from a structural standpoint. Oh, okay. It, it sh- oh, that's what I'm saying. Does it, does it, it does should it feel like those are the two kind of. Those are the two kind of film stories that have been. No, no, I feel like it together, like right? narratively it climaxes and should end after Ooh, Rachel's baby. death. Ah, and then the follow-on yeah. should be the story of Dent and Two Face. I get why they didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. But it I, I it feels feel it feels a, like a build-up. Yeah, it feels and, and it feels like you're sort of ending there. Especially if this was always meant to be a trilogy. Because then that's your Empire Strikes Back moment. But then they yeah. try and do it again with like, oh, Batman's hated now. It's like, oh, great. But is Batman even... Cool. Okay. Oh, Two-Face is dead. I don't kill people. I'll never break my rule. Oh, you just killed Harvey. Oops. Better run away. He was right. Tonight you're going to break your one rule. He yeah, did. Joker was right. Yeah. Yeah. He did it. The Joker won. Thematically, um... it works. But... um. <laughs> Because it is, it is a downer ending in terms of, you know, the battle of the, for the soul of Gotham. Like, yeah, the, the only thing stopping Joker from succeeding in basically turning this city into a fucking miserable world of, oh my God, we're all going to die, we hate everything, times ten, instead of just the usual times two that Gotham's going through. Um, the only thing stopping that from happening is Gordon and Batman keeping the secret that Dent went on a murder spree. Not Batman. And also about eight years, because eight years later, exactly that happens. 
Yeah. I've, I've got a letter, and I'm going to read it verbatim. We'll get to that next week. Um, no, I don't want to have to watch Dark Knight Rise again. So, The Dark Knight, Batman's been Batman for like six months. Batman's been Batman a for a hot minute. Yeah, and uh, mobsters are filling in the gap. I mean, yeah, fair continuity. Like, the Italian, Eric Roberts' character, fills in the gap left behind by Carmine Falcone going away. And well, so you have the escalation of mobsters. He's Sal Maroney, isn't he? Uh, uh, I, is he Maroney? Yeah, I think yes, he's Sal Maroney. He yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the Italian. The Italian. Uh, and then the other guy is the Chechenian. Um, that's all he gets. He just gets the Chechen. That's all he gets. He's literally called, like, the Chechen in the credits. It's like... Yeah. You give him a fucking name or what? Like, um, they're making deals on sort of a, a big level, like cr- like underhanded low key crime is a thing that's disappearing because the legend of this creature slash this man who will beat the shit out of you is is spreading. So yeah, Batman's so got far, him on the so, run basically. Yeah, so far so Batman. The film opens with like, oh wow, we are in, we are in everything back in the sandbox let's start a batman story batman territory now well it like, doesn't really because the film opens with the heist oh well i mean in terms of where gotham is yeah so it's, o- it's like only after the heist yeah. that you get a sense of where gotham is at yeah but that that's also kind of nice because you go from a daytime massive fucking staged robbery and then you realize a oh, batman only does shit at night right well obviously this guy has actually gone what if we just do it during the day but it isn't about the robbery, Matt. It's not about the robbery. It's about sending a message. Cause yeah. uh, Batman's doing his shit. The new district attorney, Harvey Dent, is pretty fucking good at his job, and the mob are annoyed and running scared. Like meanwhile, they're trying to be low key and avoid Batman. Well, they try. They try and assassinate Dent in court. Yeah, yeah. So with he's a, definitely got them running scared. But he... if you're not, it was if, if they're if they're not if they're not trying to kill you, you're not doing your job right. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I mean, your boyfriend nearly just got shot, but cool, yeah, like cool. you're totally fine with this. Um, so he's um, trying, but he's trying to get more out of Gordon because Gordon is sort of clandestinely working with Batman, sort of mm. off the books. Um, yeah. and Dent wants as, in as well as like massively screening people who work yeah. with him in his department because he works in the major not crimes well enough unit. as it turns out yeah, um, well, he's working in the he's working in the major crimes unit or briefly later on he's like the joker just escaped mcu and i was like i want to screen grab that moment yeah. it's Put all it over the internet. place <laughs> um so yeah it's it, um, dent wants in batman's going after the joker the joker is hired by quote unquote yeah, hired he's, he's, he's a by, he's a wild card who yeah. Like he's done crimes. It's hinted at the end of Batman Begins, which is sort of Batman Begins is kind of one of its other little things that says maybe this happens before Batman eighty nine or something. To you. No, we're gonna do a whole series that's based on this now. Yeah. So fuck that. Um, because you're like, oh, that's the same sort of card as like the ones Napier's fucking around with early. But okay, interesting. Not the exact okay. same card, but like we know he uses playing cards. So. And in this, it's like, no, he he. We find out that. He gives out jokers from decks as his as yeah. his fucking business card, which is just like here's my card, and just places that down on the table, just walks the fuck out with a shitload of grenades on the end of a string. Let let it, let's just talk about him now. Um, Ledger's Joker is I I love Jack Batman eighty nine is my favorite live action Batman movie. It gives me so much joy. I fucking love it. Ledger's Joker is is neck and neck with me. 
with Nicholson he's... for oh yeah that's the character on screen that is the Joker on screen yeah. like, Nicholson is the visual the clowning the the, the sadism and Ledger's the this weirdly Ledger's the sense of humor like yeah. Ledger is the the master planner hiding behind this clownish appearance um because nicholson's joke is impulsive which the joker can be you know it's just like oh she's fit let's arrange a date with her and kill an entire <laughs> gallery do you know what i mean like that's his thing yeah like like whereas like ledger's joker is like oh i want to freak everyone the fuck out so yeah i'm going to leave clues some would say more riddler like but the riddler turns it into a fucking puzzle that has to be solved whereas the joker's like no i'm going to kill that person that person and that person and you know i'm gonna do it because you found their fucking name at the crime yep. scene and no matter what you do i'm still gonna get it done because yep. i've thought differently than you because um, the thing that's the thing with this version of the joker he's plans within plans within plans within plans even it's though it's all it- all part of the plan. Despite so the he fact even he lays keeps... out, here's my yeah. plan, whereas his actual plan is something completely different. Because he keeps telling everyone that he doesn't have a plan. Yeah. He's just, you know, he just does everything randomly. He's an agent of chaos. Which itself um, is part of his plan. We, we, yeah, <laughs> like, because... He's, he's bullshit. But he's to throw everyone off. Meticulous plans upon plans upon plans upon plans. Um, so he's not... So it's not... And he's not... It's what makes this version of the Joker great is he's not a physical match for Batman. There's no real version of the Joker ever is. But mentally, this is one of, this is one of the this is one of the few him. scrappy ones. This is one of the few scrappy ones who's yeah. actually like, all right, I'll I'll fucking beat him up. I mean, let's go. go for it. I'll give it a try. But he's but not going to match him in terms outmatched. of raw power. Um, but mentally, you're right. Like he's Batman. Batman does not outfox him at any point in this movie. Like he just adapts to what the Joker has done and tries to call it a day. I think he does sort of get a bit more proactive towards the end, but the sort of um the corruption of Harvey Dent sort of turns it back on him. Yeah. So Yeah. So Joker still gets his last laugh, so to speak. Um And he does laugh. This is this is for, for for the for the quote unquote dark gritty take on the Joker. Fuck off. No it isn't. It's different. It's one that fits in with this world's bare bones sensibility. It's absolutely it's darker than Batman eighty nine, I'd say, but only in the sense that it's and as in a different way. I think they're yeah. both quite dark. I mean, Uncle ja- Un- Uncle Jack Joker, you know, your 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 fucking frivolous camp, you know, Tim Burton goth nightmare. Yeah, he's still like he's still like sp- like pirouetting in a room full of fucking mutilated corpses at a war zone photos he's cut out himself each and every one like he's still like horrifically acid scarring a woman's face and seemingly partially lobotomizing her just so he can freak out another person yeah and be like look at her like he's you know he's he's pretty he's pretty fucking like horrible and dark the, the nicholson joker but he's, he's he's a camper delivery he's a camper package yes um whereas this one is this one's i think darker dark because it's it, a lot of the things he does are very believable because they are very like oh that could happen oh someone could do that yeah like you're not suddenly pulling a, a parade of joker gassed air balloons out of your ass and going through the town you know throwing out money hubba 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 who do you trust like you're not doing that but <laughs> I wish a, bloke was, put, a bloke can put on a rubber mask and shoot someone yeah and that's the sort of thing this joke is doing and and we talked about a couple of episodes episodes ago, and we were asked like film theories. What's your favorite sort of fan theory about this and the other? And I said like, there's one that is more built on actual evidence than theory. But this Joker is a military vet who was left for dead. 
Yeah. Like, he, he was on a special ops team. He has no traceable, like, fingerprints, birth, like, no matching names, no visual ID match. That was probably even, you know, that probably even was the case before he cut his face up or someone else cut well, his it's, face it's up. If one of them, it'll have been like, it'll have been like an off-the-books operative or something like a... He, I mean, he freaking knows his munitions. Yeah. He can and, improvise and bombs like you read about. Like he's Well, tactics, things like using the cable guns to take down the helicopter during the yeah. chase, things like that. It's, it's, it's tactical, it's strategic, it's not random, it's knowing planned. How to, knowing how to psychologically play the mob off of each other. Yeah. Like, you know, just it, it's a, a knowing where to set up what domino that Batman will inevitably topple for him. Like, yeah. he sort of is like, yeah, no, I, if I do this, that's going to happen. Which is great, because I'll fucking go back here, and then I'll go this way. Mm. And, like, he knows. I mean, the fucking... He sews a, a cell phone bomb into a man's stomach. Yeah. You, you don't do that if you're just the, a kooky, wacky clown man. You do that if you're like, yeah, we've had to improvise bombs and fucking conceal them, like, in our bodies and then shit them out later so that we can get them past detection. And, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, this is somebody who knows full well what he's doing and he's he's ready to die at any point as but well the scary thing about him is that you can't predict him exactly like when he puts a puts a gun in harvey's hand and is fucking resting his own head on it and he's like flip your coin go for it like come yeah. on like it's like he's got all these plans and yet he's here going kill me and then you think about it afterwards you like his plan at this point is to turn harvey into like the worst fucking person ever and completely shatter the city's confidence in the guy who was going to save them all. So even if Harvey did shoot him at that moment, Harvey's already off the deep end. So even if the Joker died in that moment, he still wins. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he lives means he's like, right, I can go and do that ferry thing now. This will be fun. Yeah. And it's like, <gasps> like he's not planning to be caught by the GCDP at the, uh, GCPD at that moment. But he has a plan in place. For when he does get caught. For when he does get yeah. caught. Just like, oh my god. What the living shit. The only moment in the film where he is actually powerless is when he's arrested. And and he's in the interrogation room. Um, But he's kind of not ta- though, because it, it, he... Well, because he uses... Yeah. Because he's already set a thing up and it's like... Off you fucking go. Like, go on, run, try and get it sorted. Good luck. Well, he, has like, he has that great moment where Batman's trying to beat the shit out of him and he just looks up at him and he's like, you've got nothing to threaten me Yeah. With. You've got nothing. Yeah. You can't it's, do it's, anything it's, to me. Yeah. It doesn't matter it's if like you beating, kill me because I've already won. Beating the piss out of me is not going to save either of the people I already have rigged up to blow. Yeah. Like, go get him, motherfucker. And then... And one of them is going and then to he die anyway. And then he takes advantage of the cop uh, uh, yeah. to get into a fist fight with him to let his guard down so that he can then like suddenly be like, oh no, I actually do have a bit of strength left in me. I want to fucking take you hostage. Who I didn't realise until... I just, want my fo- I just want my phone call. <laughs> I didn't realise until I rewatched Angel that that's Holtz from Angel. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. Um, He's great. He is... He's phenomenal in this. And... and there are bits where it's like, oh, there's the comic book Joker. There yeah. he is. But like, but the rest of the time, it's the spirit of the character is absolutely informing everything he does. But it is comic book Joker. It's like a first appearance comic book Joker. It's Grant Morrison's yeah. sort of David man, man Bowie who laughs Joker. Like it, murderer. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing. 
It's, it's just uh, like, yeah, he's so good. He's so good. Mm. He's so, so... And that opening heist is the perfect example of just, like, setting you off. Because I remember I remember watching that for the first time in the cinema and being like, the fuck is happening? Yeah. As each and every one of them kills... And it's that whole thing of they each give you a little bit of info about the Joker because they're all turned to each other and be like, I didn't meet him, did you? No, like, but I heard he does this and I heard he does that mm. and the other. And then they reveal that, oh yeah, he's been there the whole time. Like, he's been one of them and none of them even fucking realised. He's so good. Um, another random great actor popping in and out for five seconds, William Fickner. Yep, great in that as, first as, scene. As, yeah. as, as the uh, the the mob adjacent or mob paid off uh, bank manager. Yep. Like, it's, you know, just like, the fuck is going to... The way he spits out the word, respect! He's just like, ah! Damn, you are taking your five minutes. I love William. He's great well in everything he's in. He's just—he's one of those who always gives like top shelf stuff. Another person who always gives top shelf stuff who's sort of underserved here is is Maggie Gyllenhaal. Um, yeah, she gives some great moments. But I, I, again, I popped here. Both Katie Holmes and Maggie Gyllenhaal play Rachel really well. Yeah, they both go for it. But the character's criminally underserviced in both films, considering how important she apparently is to our protagonist. Yeah. Because she's not it, she's not a character. She is a plot device to manipulate mm. Bruce Wayne's emotions. Like Yeah. And that's Especially why she's in killed. Movie, in, in the first film, the childhood best friend is should be the human anchor to bring him back down to reality and be like, Do you realise like what you left mm. behind? You know, you, uh, uh, she should be an actual symbol of the man you should or could have been, like, was here. Yeah. And then you disappeared and you became something else entirely. And I know you're driven in that, but, like, you could have found happiness just staying here, being with your friend, being with your fucking caretaker, and, you know, taking up the company, like, using your resources this way, and, and you know, like... We could have hung out. We could have caught a fucking movie when you got back and be like, oh my God, let's have a catch. Let's have a meal. Let's go watch a film. Let's let's reintroduce each other to ourselves. And instead, it took a week and for me to bump into you. And yeah. Like, you know, I mean, bump into great you thing so I can like... deliver this proverb. <laughs> yeah. Which again happens like... here in the in the Harvey Dent dinner scene mm. with the... You either, you either die uh, a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. You become the villain. That's like, Trailer well, line. That's, that's only... Ten, that's, that's barely related to... The, the stuff you're talking about just before that with Caesar, like mm. he didn't live long enough to see himself become the villain because he didn't think he was a villain. Yeah. So yes. Yes. Uh... Yes. And, and and they they make that the plot of everyone in this really. Yeah. Like, yeah. They make it Gordon. It happens with Gordon. We see Gordon die, a hero, and then he lives on, and is the one who has to keep this horrible secret. Yeah. So to him, to himself, he's a villain. Like he put his family at risk. Again, and, and it's he, he's lying to all of Gotham to protect Harvey. Harvey, of course, doesn't die a yep. hero. He lives long enough to become a villain. Batman, like he didn't die a hero. He lives long enough to become the perceived villain. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it's 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 everyone's plot arc. Although, if you're a poor person in Gotham who had to turn to crime to survive, he's already the villain. He's already the fucking villain. Um. You know, it's it, and I think Maggie Gyllenhaal, as a moral barometer for all of our characters, yes, that's great. But only with Harvey is she given a chance to be a person. And I, I think not all of her scenes, but most of her scenes with Aaron Eckhart, I'm like, oh look, characters. 
oh look and it's mostly in the the, the non-dialogue moments yeah. between them it's 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 left up to aaron eckhart who is fucking great in this yeah it's left up to aaron eckhart and maggie gyllenhaal to be like oh humans there they are like the way they do the the scene after he nearly gets shot in court mm. like that's exposition people but they're they're so genuinely kind of playful that i'm like oh this is sweet yeah like yeah don't fuck don't fucking don't don't listen to bruce when he's all like maybe i will give this up rage no fuck off bruce is i and i they definitely play it as he doesn't realize it but he's so emotionally manipulative in this film yeah and that's kind of the point the idea is like he's so detached from his humanity at this point that he doesn't even realize and he's so selfish yeah and so self-centered luckily it pays off for here in terms of like him realizing what a cock he's been it pays off in rises yeah when yeah. Al- when alfred is like in her letter she was told me she was going to, she was telling you she was going to marry harvey and that she'll be your friend fuck you uh. for like giving her this imaginary what if scenario for all these years like she was going to leave me for leave harvey for me alfred we were going to be together fuck you for making her your romantic prize like you never listened to her, Bruce. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. Like they make it pay off in rises, and again, it's the delivery of Kane, and and <laughs> the delivery of Kane. Like they really make it work. Um, but in this film, it's like, oh, you selfish prick, you selfish prick. But again, I guess that's also the point uh, they're trying to say to you. Like he doesn't even realize how fucking selfish he's being. Like th- the film isn't saying, hey. Ain't Bruce Wayne great for not thinking about her feelings? It's absolutely saying, isn't he a prick for not even thinking? Yeah. But it is also odd when, again, we're two films in and it's like, Bruce Wayne is kind of... Uh, this film's kind of telling us that we should like him, but he's, and we he's don't. doing things that we shouldn't like. A part of the reason why we still enjoy watching him again, I think, is because Bale is... Bale's like action hero slick in this. I'm oh like, yeah, 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 sure. You're a great leading man in this movie. I mean, I'm not sure why you've decided to do that with your voice in this film, Christian. The bat voice in Dark Knight is the worst part of Dark Knight. Like, Watching the two films back to back, he's like, doing it in Batman why? Begins, but then in Dark Knight, it's so OTT. When Batman Begins, it's throaty. Yeah. In, in Batman Begins, it's a I'm disguising my voice by doing this, and you're like, okay, a bit weird, but cool, whatever. Like, if you'd just spoken to Bruce Wayne and then spoken to Batman, you wouldn't necessarily go, oh, they're they're the same man. You'd be like, oh, all uh, right, sure. Um, but then to be talking like this, I kill those people. It's like, what are you doing? And it also compromises his line delivery a lot of the time. Um, hmm. I put down, yeah. I've put down on here, um, my favourite fucked up line delivery of his is, um, it's like, uh, you got a bit of fight in you. I like that. No, you don't love me. What? Yeah, yeah. Because also, what how long was he standing there in order to deliver that line in time? It's that it's that thing with you getting films with like those like arrival one-liners. It's like, how long were you waiting for the right moment to just drop in and and deliver your line? You know what I mean? He's Batman. It's... He has a personalized grapple gun. Do you know how you do that moment? He's like, you got a lot of fighting. You a lot of fighting. I like that. And then you hear fucking. 
from above them all in the rafters, like, yeah. then you're going to love me. Grapple the Joker up to the rafters and fucking punch him and then drop him to the floor. Yep. Like, that'd be a Batman way. And then he fucking flaps down and starts it, fighting thugs. It also but takes... instead, it's like, sneaky, 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 despite there being at least five yeah. meters between the wall and you and a wall of people and armed thugs all watching what's happening and it in does, between us. It does take a little bit of weight <laughs> out of moments like... um. Well, but it's also da- it's down to his fight choreography and how he shoots and edits it. Yeah, it's the start of the fight. What is it? And suddenly, Batman's just out of frame, despite the fact that he couldn't be physically. No, no. Oh um, god! Because that's where the script needed to be. Uh, but it's things like the Bat voice also kills some moments a bit, or it doesn't kill yeah. him, but it, it sort of like the whole end sequence with Gordon and and Batman talking over the corpse of Harvey you. Dent. He's out of breath. He's injured, and he's doing the Bat voice. And it's like, oh god, this is excruciating. Well, it's not excruciating, because like it doesn't spoil the film for me. But it is one of those things where you're just like, do you have to do that? Do you have to do it? It takes to the second viewing of the movie to go. All right, he's going with this. Yeah. This now I'm going to pay attention. In the cinema, I remember laughing audibly a couple times. Um, and then they do they ends, double down on scene... it with Bane and Dan Uh We'll get. We will fucking get to that. <laughs> um, so like they could. You know, I mean, what? Just as a character, character moment. Why doesn't the facade drop in that last scene? Yeah. Why does he do it? Like, let let Alfred? some of Bruce creep through, <laughs> even if he's not revealing his identity, even if he's not Batman yeah. Returns peeling that mask off like it's fucking cottage cheese. I love it. Like, I love it. You know, at least let him. At least let Bruce slip through slightly, like when he's trying to stop yeah. Harvey from killing. What I realized only really on this watching is James Gordon Jr. Like, they call him James at one point. Yeah. So it's like, oh, so it is the ki- it is his kids. Meaning, that little girl is Barbara Gordon. Yeah. Oh, shit. Like, which, I, which I said last night, like... Which is also doubly weird. James and Barbara so have two children. Named the daughters. James and Barbara. Yeah. That's fucking weird. Um, I think in the comics, Barbara's adopted, isn't she? Uh... No, um, I mean she may have been, but they've definitely doubled down more on them being related since because yeah. they've they've gone really hard on. Oh, Jim Gordon when he was younger, he had red hair. Like they've really yeah. doubled down on that. Um, <clears throat> so, which of course is comic book is a visual signifier shorthand for these two are related. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, like in that scene, if Bruce's humanity just slipped through a bit. And the Batman voice kind of crackles a bit. You don't have to have, like, Harvey go, Bruce? Like, you don't have to have that at all. Like, you know, just... it. It's just... you. It's just human. It's just fucking human. Like, he's lost Rachel, and now he's about to lose Harvey. But he's, like, he's not human. To, well, technically, Harvey's, he's already lost Harvey. Harvey's... Well, that's the thing. It's like, he's got a chance now mm. to save Jim's family and try and pull Harvey back from oblivion. Um, a thing that Harvey is apparently really good at avoiding because I'm fucking sorry. There is no way he gets out of that car. And yeah. <laughs> Between shooting the driver and the driver then like dying and the car flipping over when he kills the Italian toward the end. There's no way he got out of that car. Again, action direction. Hey, he, he was he wearing his seatbelt. about it. Yeah, but you see what the car then does. Yes. The physical stunt. Yes, it's like it. no one it. survives that crash. No one in that vehicle survives that crash. Well, we, I think we kind of have to do talk about a bit about the stunt work in this film because, oh my days, mm. it's impressive. 
oh god it's, it's, it's so shit. much really amazing pra- and in batman begins as well to be fair but this one takes up to the yeah. next level there's mm. so much amazing practical yeah, stuff batman begins as a, batman movie. begins as a lot more uh cgi assisted kind of stunt work stuff yeah. with the train and things like that well whereas- there's th- things like um the the, the train crashing <clears throat> into the, the parking lot towards the end that's like clearly a miniature yeah um yeah a, a gorgeous miniature. A very, like, very lovely miniature, it. yeah. It's gorgeous. Um, I um, love miniature work. That's I, what I love about the Lord of the Rings trilogy so much. Um, <laughs> whereas whereas in this one, like, the the whole chase yeah. uh, uh, on uh, the car chase, the lorry chase, ending with the fucking practical lorry flip. Oh, so good. The lorry flip is... Um, the lorry flip is, is Chris Nolan's um, <laughs> superhero origin. Yeah. But it's also his supervillain origin. Yes. Because that was the moment where I think we all collectively, as people who'd like watch Memento, Batman Begins, Prestige, it's like. Oh, Prestige was later, wasn't it? But we all watch it. No, Prestige like, was before wow. Dark Knight. Oh, 2007? Yeah. Yeah. It was while so I was working like, at wow, stuff, so. this this guy is capable of doing incredible things and he's using an art form that we thought was going to get lost to visual effects, uh, CGI visual effects. Like, Wow, this is incredible. Yeah. And then at that same moment, the pretension began to grow. <laughs> which led to the eventual, like, you have to see Tenet in cinemas. No, I won't tell you what it's about, but you're excited, aren't you? <laughs> you have to see what I, Chris Nolan, have created next. Um, and it all starts with that fucking truck flip. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, that truck God. flip is like, oh my God, this is incredible. Sit down, Chris. Someone bring him a chair. <laughs> Sit down, Chris. <laughs> You know, it's I don't know. I just, but it is a stunning moment. Um, that everything to do with the uh, with the helicopter at the start of the car chase. Yeah, um, that whole sequence, that the, whole sequence from leaving the police department to him being arrested is just yeah. stunning. It's really well put together, and uh, it's definitely the centerpiece of the film. Yeah, um, it's fucking gorgeous. And, and again, like some of the few jokery Joker moments, like him cackling away as he as after the guy gets shocked trying to take off Batman's mask. Yeah, and, and the, the the bit where he's just like, "Excuse me," and he's just like getting into the driver's seat and being all like silly about it, and it's like, "Oh, there's here's here's the here's the Joker Joker." There's also that, that glimpse of nihilism there. where he's just willing Batman to hit him with the bike. Yeah. Oh yeah, like again, like if he if he gets killed, then it's just yeah, he's won. He's got he's already got plans that are going to go ahead because yeah. there are people like elsewhere getting that warehouse set up at this point and all that shit. Like that's already going to happen. Yeah, so he's still going to fuck stuff over, and Batman's going to be seen as a murderer. So, like he yeah. wins still. Yeah, it's like bring it on. Um, and and the almost disappointment when he doesn't get hit as well. He's like. Oh fuck! Because he obviously thought, actually, this might be a better ending. To no, oh well, you fucking chickened out. Take his mask off. Oh, you got shocked. Um, of course, yeah, this is a Joker who's like, he sort of implies that he's gonna take Batman's mask off when he then crouches over him, like he's gonna try and do it. Yeah. Or maybe he's just gonna slit his throat. Like, yeah, at this point, just kill him there and then be like, fuck it. But but then in the next scene, it's like, no. No, I'm not going to kill you. You're too much fun. Yeah, I like him. I'm going to keep you around. Yeah. Um, I I know that obviously we've talked, complained about the subtext, but I do kind of like the subtext of the Batman-Joker relationship in the comics being waved in Batman's face by the Joker. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it because what what the Joker's great at, we said all the great Batman villains are mirror opposites to Batman in some way, in one aspect of his personality or his gimmick or his training or whatever. The Joker is his polar opposite quite simply because he's unreadable. Like, he, yeah. uh, you don't know what he's going to do and he takes great joy in the thing Batman is, des- is, is, is designed and trained to stop. Yeah. Like, yeah, the yeah. Joker delights in it. So I like I do like it makes sense for him to sort of be like ha ha here's our subtext you suck ha 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 which which is is done so well in this with that line where he says like you won't kill me out of some was it misplaced sense of self righteousness and I won't kill you because you're just too much fun <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah yeah because yeah, you know Batman listening to that going fuck he's right he's got me there god damn it yeah um it's just so, a really like solid tense narrative mm. and it's it it's got enough going on just enough going mm. on that it doesn't get dragged down by its own um mechanical preoccupations or the, the mechanical it, pre- predilections of nolan as a director um I, i've got a, i've got a couple couple issues with it that that still do kind of bug me hit me with some issues because I, I might well agree with them alfred's insane i've written here alfred's insanely quotable and yet nothing he says means anything. Nope. <laughs> really. Like, the nope. bandit story is the only kind of thing he says in terms of, like, random, like, here's all my quotable stuff. It's the only thing he says where it's like, oh, he's kind of making a point. The point is, Bruce, maybe it isn't just as simple as, like, here's the end game and I've got to stop him getting to it. It's like, what? maybe this is just somebody who wants to hurt people. We saw a little yeah. boy playing with a ruby the size of a tangerine. <laughs> I love it. I love that, it so that much. Line, again, absolutely quotable. And it'll be because so many people had never heard the word tangerine said A in a film or B by Michael Caine. Like in a, a way ruby, that is just so the size of a tangerine. A tangerine. <laughs> a ruby. The size of the house I bought using the money from George the Revenge. Um <laughs> uh, it's well, just, I tell you, you I know, saw that dog. He had balls. The size of tangerines. Tangerine. Exactly. <laughs> that one line's legacy will live on in other shows and films. Like Everything is the size of a tangerine. 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 Um, <laughs> oh, jeez. And again, like the few human moments that come from it is, is that lovely bit where like Rachel leaves the note with Alfred. Yeah. And and he's always called her Miss Dawes. And then like she says goodbye, you know, and they're probably not going to see each other again because she's going to be avoiding Bruce after this point. Yeah. And she says goodbye often. They have a big hug, and he says, and as she's walking off, he says goodbye, Rachel. And it's just a little, little sort of oh, oh, that's a little sort of like he's dro- yeah. he's dropped he's dropped the the you know the the, the gentleman's gentleman thing. Say a goodbye to her because human ultimately, moment. ultimately, she is a friend. Yeah. And you know, like it's it's like oh, that is really sweet. And again, it's just the way they play. Michael Caine is like the ultimate twinkle. Morgan Freeman is the other ultimate twinkle. Is it a good Together twinkle? they each they each make twinkly eyes. Um Morgan Freeman gets a really weird bloody bit in this. Lucius at the end. The whole uh, his his like his his cue role throughout the whole film is wonderful. Yeah. His CEO like of Wayne Enterprises stuff is Although great. the line about like, it doing fine against cats is one of those lines that comes out of nowhere and it's only really there so people can yeah. go, uh, that's a reference to Catwoman maybe, but in the context of the conversation they're having, it makes yeah, absolutely they, they no kind sense. Of, they kind of linger on it almost. Yeah. It's like, huh? uh, the same way they do in the next film with a name, but we'll get to that. Um, mm. 
Although, although the whole movie stops for three seconds to give you that reference in the next yeah. one. But, anyway. um, but the, the bit at the end in the third act, uh, Lucius' hold up in the third act, Ari, the sonar device, feels like a character beat that had no lead in. It's just really mm. odd. Like his, his whole thing is Bruce has rigged every cell phone. He's using every cell phone as a sonar receiver and emitter so that he can use sonar to pinpoint the actual location of the Joker's broadcast. Yeah. Because so far, every time he's broadcast something, it's come from somewhere else Yeah. than, than where he physically is. So using sonar, like a bat, he's literally... Not like a like, submarine, right, Mr. Wayne. Uh, Just like a submarine. <laughs> submarine, Mr. Wayne. Uh, like, here's the, you know, here's the, 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 that's where the voice is coming from. Gonna go get him. Yeah. Like, sure. But... Wait, uh, Lucius is immediately like, "This is wrong." Like talking about, he never says it out like full on, but he's basically saying like, "You're encroaching on people's privacy by using their cell phone." And he's right. To... But he's right. It, but it, but it's he's also, never shown that sign it, of concern before. But like, he's yeah, never I shown that of... sign of concern before. He's completely helped out every yeah. vigilante thing Batman's done so far, and also, it doesn't say anything about like I've. I have gone into everyone's cell phone and I have found I, I've had a massive search done to find every possible message that could link us to the Joker or his next plan. Yeah. It's I'm physically using the device as a sonar emitter. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not I've been sp- I've been spying on everyone's text. I read the DMs, Lucius. Yeah. I I read the DMs. I have all the nudes. Um <laughs> <laughs> I have all the dick pics, Lucius. <laughs> And I'm going to hold them hostage. Like, that's not... Do you know what I mean? It just sort no. of seems kind of like, he's right, there's an ethical quandary here, but he's also using the phones as a piece of hardware, mm. not as a piece of that, that being said, though, I do get... Even though he hasn't shown that concern ethically, I think that it is so relatable that you kind of don't need to show that character True. already having those beliefs because I think they're so universal. But maybe just like one extra line, just maybe. like something yeah. like like we've never like we've never like I I know we're about stealth, but we've never gone this far behind you know Gotham's back. Like this is this is a step too far. Like it just sort of is. It sort of is like oh, and also it's kind of weirdly placed because it's like this feels like it should be their their possible crossroads as friends and allies, but yeah. you're sticking it in this bit where everything's super tense already because of the ferries. And the music is suggesting we're building to the climax, building to the climax, building to the climax, fighting the Joker in the construction site. Yeah. It's like, it's sort of like, huh. Like if this had happened in the middle of the film and then Lucius kind of comes round to go in, that was wrong, but he needs my help on something else at the end. And, and it's that thing of like, look, I don't agree with that. You can't do anything like that anymore. And Batman's like, you're right. Like, I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Just it's some kind of character reconciliation. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It just it felt like it came the fuck out of nowhere in terms of its placement in the story. Um, I've written, Kane is a solid Alfred throughout both both movies, even if he is just Dumbledoring throughout this Dumbledore. entire film. Uh, a Dumbledoring is uh, basically spouting <laughs> truisms and and giving sagely advice in every scene with the occasional quip. Yeah. Yeah. Um like we don't really get to see Alfred's character outside of the Well, other than the fact that he's a sarky begins. bastard. Yeah, but outside of the flashbacks in Batman Begins and then everything with him in it in Dark Knight Rises. Well, yeah, because the things with ju- Alfred he's just they happen of, because the, hell, the script you know. says they happen. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
He's just he's just scripting. He's just scripting. He's just He's just there to read the bloody exposition and give you a motivational speech, Master Wayne. Uh Master Wayne. Is a story from my days in Burma. Um it's like Alfred, I just I just wanted a sandwich. The sandwich bandit. You're stealing sandwiches. <laughs> sandwiches and scotch eggs the size of a tangerine. Hey, we, um, we, we caught him. We had to burn down the subway. And after we had that, to blow. we couldn't eat fresh. <laughs> we had to blow his bloody doors off. Um, and the only, the only other note I've written down during my watching yesterday was... Uh, the two face effects are actually horrifying and maybe a little too realistic. No, well, I I was reading it. They they sit in they sit in the uncanny valley of yeah, I guess that would happen, but also no one would be walking around like that. Well, that's the thing. They originally <laughs> a were corpse might look like that. They originally but... they originally were more realistic as to the kind so of more injuries kind of that he burnt would have. Flesh. But yeah. test audiences found them more horrifying. So they stripped him back to skull with gristle. By making him more obviously like unable to survive them, it felt mm. more cartoonish. But originally they were more realistic and apparently test audiences did not like them at all. Because I know, I know in much. the original, fo- that there's only a few behind the scenes photos out there, but it's him in prosthetic makeup. Yeah. And there's a couple of tracking dots on it because they were always going to do some CGI enhancement. So I yeah. guess yeah, yeah. they just went... Turn up the CGI! Like they went to the CGI knob, but they just cranked it to 11. <laughs> they were like, eyeballs swirling around in socket. I want to see tendons. <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, I like it, but it's, it's. Again, this film more so than the last one. Like, the first film, like we said, sort of is. Oh, it's not, gr- it's not gritty, grim and gritty Gotham. It's just bare bones stripped back to the essentials of what this world needs, Batman. Yeah. With a slightly realistic bent to it. Except Killian Murphy, the Batman. Um, and then this movie, this movie read all the reviews and went, oh, they like the grim and grittiness. So this movie is a bit more grim and serious overall yeah. compared to the first one. But then Two-Face shows up and you're like, but you look like a cartoon. Like, you look impressive, but do you fit here? Mm. If you line up... yeah. If you line up the villains, like picture in your head the villains of the Dark Knight trilogy. So you know you got your, you got your, Raish, and 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 Raish Dake. Uh, sorry, your Raz, Raz, Raz decoy, Raz and Raz decoy. You've got um, you know Falcone. You've got Zaz, who uh, I take back what I said the other week. It isn't just a little tally mark tattoo. It's a couple scars on his neck, and he does fuck all on screen. We're told he's a murderer and mm. he does fuck all on screen. We just see him in court and then we see him come out of a cell looking like, yeah, I'm free and that's it. But like, you know, picture Zaz, uh, picture the Joker, um, picture uh, picture uh, Bane, you know, picture Talia. And now yeah. picture Two-Face. Two-Face is the odd fucking one out in every possible yeah. way. Like even Scarecrow's sack doesn't look cartoonish next to, to Scarecrow's his thing. Scarecrow's sack. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's, Scarecrow's it's, it's, sack is only in 28 Days Later. Um, okay. <laughs> Go and see that in IMAX, <laughs> motherfuckers. 
<laughs> Killian Murphy's genitals enlarged to at least two meters in height and width. He wishes. <laughs> no one looks at his penis, they all look at his luscious lips. Um, his and he does lips. have luscious lips. <laughs> trying to find some early Two Face images now, but I don't know if any of them are around. Um, that's apparently something they were they were uh, going for early on, but I can't find the source. I can't verify the source. Yeah, no, I can, yeah, I can see that. I can, I, I can. That's um. It's more restrained, but it looks... I, th- I think, I think what it needs, uh, what what Matt's just shown me, essentially, kind of looks like uh, Freddy Krueger, I guess, sort of like Krueger makeup. Um. But you know, not not as horror movie, more kind of realistic burns. But like Freddy Krueger, kind of patterning and spacing. What they needed was to just go a little further than that, and I think they would have hit the perfect look. Just a little further. Do you know what I mean? Like damaged lips, something to do with the eyes. So maybe he's not got eyelids. Mm. Like, um, which can happen. Like it happened to Nicky Lauda mm. in real life. His eyelids burnt off, but his eyes were fine. Yeah. So so well. well not fine, but they were intact yeah. <laughs> and working. Very water, very uh, watery. Yeah. But um, you know, just it, it's like I don't know. I don't, I don't hate it. It doesn't ruin the movie or anything, but it is kind of like, oh, that's a bit cartoony. Yeah. Whilst also being realistic in terms of what sort of flesh and bone like coloring and everything we're seeing. But, yeah. Uh. Um. Yeah. I like I like the Dark Knight a lot, and I love a lot of it. it it's very well. very good. It's stylish. It's not pretentious yet, but it is a bit up its arse in some places. It's it's carried by some phenomenal action set pieces, some very slick filmmaking in, mm. in certain sections, um, and it, its performances, I think, are why it impresses people so much. Um, because everyone swings for the fences, and does a really good job, even if the script doesn't let them have much to deal with or tackle, they do a really good job, and then you've got the exceptional performances in there. Like, yeah. like Bale is great in this, stupid voice notwithstanding. Um, <laughs> Gary Oldman is great in this. Mm. Um, uh, and I don't normally say that about films where Gary Oldman is being used in such a restrained way. But like, he's more he's he's an actor who is not afraid to go go big or go home. And in this one, all that requires of him is if you could go medium, uh, that'd be great. But nope. he pours his fucking heart into it, like he goes for it. Aaron Eckhart is great. Yeah, he's he's fabulous. Um, Gyllenhaal, I wish they gave her more to do, really. But like, she is like the way she's pitching it and the yeah. humility she, humanity she brings to it is great. Kane and and Freeman are mostly there to play the support roles and you know like like emotional um, support group for our main character and give advice, but they're both twinkly as fuck, so they they can do it and it works and they're memorable. Um, but it's Ledger. It's Ledger. Mm. Like it's fucking Ledger. I mean, your mob bosses are all distinct. Like you know, Mister Lau and, and and the Chechen, like they're all they all have distinct identities in this, and it means that they all you can picture each one. Like you know, you could point them out. If someone said point to the here's a wall of 
random characters point to the mobsters from the Dark Knight, I think you'd be like, oh yeah, that one, that one, that one, and that one. Like you'd absolutely nail it immediately. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but as far as the villain goes, like Ledger's just a fucking. He's a riot. It's like he's so. It's hypnotic what he does with this part. Like, I I've I've we've talked before about ironing movies where like you just sort of have them on in the background and it's like oh yeah yeah i enjoy them they're all right but like you wouldn't dedicate a movie night to that movie no no no. you'd have it on in the background i tried to do that with the dark knight once i just stuck it on it just it it grabs your attention because it is so stop every time ledger was on screen i had to stop i was like no i'm watching now he's got me like he's absolutely got me i know the squealers when i see him and all that stuff's just like oh Jesus Christ, you're yeah. so creepy, but like it's a really magnetic away. performance. It's just yeah, it just like Harvey Dent burns energy. You can't look away, even though it's <laughs> horrifying. You can't look away. Um, oh God. So Nolan makes a damn solid Batman film, and then he makes a really solid Batman film. Yeah. Next week, <laughs> we're going to talk about. The red-headed stepchild of this film family. Yes, I think so. Uh, I'm reserving thoughts to next week. Yeah, um, yeah, I need to. I need to watch it again. I've not watched it since it came out on home release. I don't think. I'll tell you about my first experience with it next week. Yeah, uh, I, it was a biased experience, and I'll tell you why next week. Okay. Um, okay. It it, uh, it was it was the whole exa- the whole thing was the big, biggest example of a way Homer that I've ever experienced. Where, like, you realise something after the fact as you're headed home, and you go, like, oh, so uh, really it was, mm, um, yeah, uh, next week, next week. Okay, um, okay. Ha- we've had emails. We've had emails. Um, dirty, dirty, sensual emails. We'll do, a, we'll do a couple of emails. We won't do all of them, because we're already D- running out of Dirty, dirty, styled to look um, like the 90s toys, but they're large and expensive. Dirty, 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 uh... Please Toy biz style emails. Um. <laughs> I'm, I'm just using this as an excuse to show you my my new toys <laughs> on camera. I've bought two Spider-Man toys that are oh, using retro packaging. Oh, look at them. Um, they're using retro packaging, but they don't make any sense. Because <laughs> they're not based on the animated series. Spidey's nice, though. Look at that boy. Look at my Spider-Man. Oh, Give him nice. a lick. He's not... one, one day I'll be... One day it'll be safe enough for you to come here and give him an actual lick in person. It'll never be safe for me to lick anything ever again. Um, dun, 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 dun. Hey, this one comes in from Dan Opie. <gasps> Dan um, Opie, the the big uh, uh, chokey. Yeah, that one. Yes, yeah, the yes. prison that, that, one. that kids um, are locked in by Mr. And has, in the and has requested builder. and has requested a special voice. Um, so here oh. we go. Oh, good um, luck. Hello again. Uh, now I've just missed your recording slot, so this email will be a week out of date by the time it reaches you. Let's hope nothing calamitous happens in the next week. This came from the twenty third of July, by the way, so it's two weeks later at this point. Sorry, Dan, that's our fault. Um. I have an imposter! I noticed there is another Dan who emails on the regular who I was confused for in a recent ip. I, Dan the Kneecap Man, have not emailed Ah. since my email for the fourth anniversary ep, and so to avoid confusion, I shall sign off with my full name. (laughs) The main reason for that hugely unnecessary paragraph 
was unheard on Christmas Insta that you had hate mail. And in case it for my fellow Dan, I wanted to clear my name. It was not. Um, certain fans really are the worst. That horrible attack against Shasha Dewan being the latest example. You're not wrong there. Poor example. You know who isn't pathetic? Oh. Bookman! <laughs> are, are you sure about that? Um, I've been playing the Arkham games for the first time recently, and I'm currently on City. Absolutely, hands down, the best for gameplay in the series. <laughs> Asylum took some getting used to after my multiple Spidey Four playthroughs, but really pulled me in by the end. So I'm enjoying City more as it feels much... grander. Anyway, some cues for yous. <laughs> okay. Which is your boy's favourite of the Arkham games? And what do you what, think of the rumour that there's an upcoming Xbox exclusive Batman to rival the PS5 Spitty? For me, as much as I enjoy bats, Spitty always wins. Um, what's our favourite Arkham game? Uh, Asylum for me. Uh, Asylum. Uh, I, th I think I think City's the best of the Arkham games, but Asylum is um, is just it's a tasty experience. Like you could sit down. And play Asylum over a weekend. I, I like I like Asylum like, because it's ooh. contained. Yeah, uh, 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 City the, is impressive. The tone, the narrative, yeah. um, the 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 tension. Yeah, of Asylum. Like it feels like it feels like you're playing a horror game half the time. I think City almost feels almost suffers from being too big and too open um, too early on, whereas uh, like yeah. Asylum is very contained. I think City's is... sort of like Asylum. You can play over a weekend. Mm. City is if you enjoyed it and you want to play something in the week, yeah. Move on to City. Yeah, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? It, it sort of feels like it's in the. It's City feels like a natural expansion of Asylum, but part of Asylum's charm is, like you say, how contained it is and how tight the whole experience is. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. Th those. Those two are my fave. But but if I if I if you were like you can only play one for the rest of your life, Asylum hands down. Love yeah. It. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, Xbox exclusive Batman. I don't yeah, know. I've, I don't know I've if it'll happen. I've stream a lot. Like, don't take these rumours as solid, guys. We disproved on our YouTube channel three years ago the existence of Arkham Insurgency. Yeah. Which at that point had been rumoured for months to the point where it was like so many YouTube channels were getting traction and likes and views off of speculation videos for something where the evidence was piss thin. Yeah. And I just outright asked um, Roger Craig Smith, who plays the pre, because it was meant to be a sequel to Origins. So it was yeah. a prequel timeline. I, I just said to him, like, is it true this is working? Because I'd like, I would like to hear you play Batman again soon. But like, this all seems to be conjecture and rumor. And he replied with like, if that game exists, it's absolutely news to me and and i am the guy that they'd work on for the prequels like they did with blackgate yeah and i just replied with thanks for letting me know like cheers and we did a video where we went yeah so look like here's the guy who voices batman in that game who would be voicing batman in this game you all say exists and would be like you know if, if it was on the cusp of being announced like you're all saying it is it'd be like a, then that means maybe. It's, it's, it's three quarters finished yeah it's three quarters finished at this point if that's the case and he would have recorded his dialogue a couple of years ago yeah. so he either would not have responded or would have said well i wouldn't be able to tell you if i had 
And he said, no, I'm not, that's not a thing. Um, and we got so much shit for that video. Like, yeah. Load of views, shitload of thumbs down, horrible comments. And then E3 came and went that year. And, it and the year after. Didn't appear. And the year after. And now the rumor mill starts again because Warner Brothers Montreal. Yeah, Warner Montreal uh, are working on a Batman teaser game. Image. Rocksteady. A teaser image oh. of the Court of Owls about a month and a half ago. Uh, like it was okay, a, a yeah, Court yeah. of Owls-esque thing. So everyone's thought process has been, new Arkham game confirmed. Yeah, it's yeah. happening. And it's going to be an Xbox exclusive. Wait, what? Huh? What? Um, right. So I think Microsoft might be doing the co-marketing. Maybe. But I don't and think, think it'll be an I exclusive. I think for sure that Warner's Montreal would work on a Batman title. Absolutely. Why? Because Warner Brothers own Batman. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's Arkham. The reason and, Origins exists is because um, uh, Rocksteady were like, we're going to need a few years to make Night because it's going to be a different console generation. Yeah, yeah. It's going to mean X, Y, and Z. Like, we can't just make Night and have it out in 2013. Like, we want it to be on the PS5, oh, PS4, but it ain't going to be a launch title. So Warner's went, right, uh, Montreal. You're gonna work with Rocksteady. You're gonna get their assets, and you're gonna make a you're gonna make a prequel. We're gonna do a spin-off. We're gonna do what Ubisoft and shit are doing with Assassin's Creed, and just make other versions to fill the gaps, so that the brand is always there and everyone's always talking about it. Yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like, so I wouldn't put it past Warner Brothers and Warner Brothers Montreal to make something in the Arkhamverse. But if they did, they wouldn't be being this coy, nor would they be lax enough to let leaks get out and confirm it way before they were going it has been a leaky else. ship this year like all it all the big been, publishers have, had been, a, leaky have been leaky ship but before night came out warner brothers registered like 40 domain names for websites like batman arkham finale batman arkham city 2 batman arkham um uh, legacy batman arkham like they, they yeah, did all yeah. loads of them and and the same happened after the fact and that's what people are like oh, oh is it going to be a new game is it going to be a new game they jump the gun and they just obviously they have conversations about possible things that they might develop yeah and then someone at the web team goes like right let me bag we're going to spend a bit of money we're going to bagsy all these domains now so that yeah, got yeah. Them. yeah that's why it happens like they've, they've bagsied a suicide squad domain they bagsy loads of stuff um people also forget that whilst the arkham games came out during the existence of that franchise, we had Gotham City Imposters on the PS3. Yeah. We've had uh, two of the Lego Batman titles came out during that period. Yep. Uh, and we also had um, two seasons of Batman on uh, from Telltale. Yep. It's possible there's a Batman game coming out. I'd like there to be more Batman games. I like Batman. I'd like to play more games with Batman in them. <laughs> I'm not going to play Fortnite for Batman, but I'd like to play more games with Batman in them. But everybody, chill your fucking pips. Chill out. And wait. Wait for them to say, oh yeah, we've got a new game in the Arkham series coming out. Just wait. If they say it, great. If they don't, you didn't waste time getting all excited for it. Chill out. So don't worry about it. Dickwad. Go back and play Arkham Asylum. It's the best one. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> um, so yeah. It being an Xbox exclusive, though, if it was a new Batman game, any Batman game, I don't, I don't see that not happening. Possibly, it could because happen. Spidey sold so well, and again this week, 
Marvel's Avengers announced that Spider-Man will be in the game in the in the war rooms and, and well, the campaign. PS5 but he's exclusive. PlayStation exclusive. Yeah. Oh, PS4 and PS5 exclusive. Oh, so yeah, okay. So just Sony. So I could I could absolutely see. Um, like if you're gonna do that, release him on all platforms. But like PlayStation players get like the Insomniac skin as a as an exclusive bonus. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah. Do it like that. Don't hold Spider-Man hostage. Fair enough with the game, because Sony fucking co-made it with Insomniac. So yeah. fair enough. Well, they published it, yeah. Yeah, it's like fair dues, but you know, uh, I could see them. I could see that. Anyway, rant over. Anyway, <laughs> right, let's call it there for this week, because uh, we've got a couple more emails, but we we'll be spending less time talking about um, about Batman next week. So we'll, we'll have more time to really? delve into emails. Uh, really? Yes, really. I have many things to say about the Dark Knight Rises. We'll tell you what. Emails we got this week for Begins and Night. We'll open next week with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll and then we'll crack into the Dark Knight Rises with a a nutcracker that looks like a metal crab sat upon Tom Hardy's balding face. I have to watch it again. <laughs> I know. I'm so sorry. Um, but yes, I'm so I'm so sorry. So Thank we'll you. do that for you right here next week yes. on the yes. Big Damn Cast. Oh. Get us, God, get us on Twitter at Big Damn Cast. Big Go damn see cast us on Twitter. Twitch, twitch.tv forward slash Big Damn Stream. And of course, Big if you do want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash Big Damn Cast. This is really irritating. If you do, <laughs> if you do want to uh, talk about uh, Batman next. Uh, um, have your email read out next week then of course bigdamncontact at gmail.com is the email we will see .com. you then not .co.uk it's .com oh. yes it's .com it's oh. um, lovely lovely address I'm going to go and beat the person doing the Bane impression um, no Bane next week Christopher I swear to god oh. no Bane next week oh, I will oh. reach through Skype and throttle you to death what about Bane from the Harley Quinn show? It's nearly the same, but it's a little sillier. Still counts. Bye, everyone! Raise me up and break me! <laughs>